Hello and welcome back to AIO Audio News. I have with me again Rachel and Josh from the Return to Odyssey podcast. Welcome back to the show. Hello. Hello. Thank you for having us back. <laughs> yeah, this is a mere two days after the previous recording. It was just so fun. We decided to do it again. And um, I feel a little bit uh, guilty here because after the last recording, I mentioned that I wanted to do the Maury Rydell arc with you too. And uh, yeah, so I do blame you a little bit for getting us back into <laughs> new odyssey because when we started doing our show, it was meant to be a retrospective, the whole idea of return well, to odyssey. We hadn't been listening for so long and we talked about this. And... Yeah. So now like we listened to three episodes and I am so sucked in. We I was just like, I need, I need in more. One afternoon. <laughs> wow. So like, while yeah. we're having dinner, and then and oh, then we're Dave bathing the bath, baby. We're gonna we're gonna bring the computer in and listen while they. <laughs> and, and then we put him to bed and listen <laughs> and to the listen third to one. And so it's been. Uh, after that, I was just like, more, please. please, please. <laughs> well, so, I, I certainly hope this I'm doesn't retract, about detract from your podcast that and the stuff you're doing over there. But if you keep yeah, doing the old Odyssey so. and then you can do a new Odyssey with me. Well, yeah. yeah. We so when we, when we had the idea for Return to Odyssey, what I didn't expect was to encounter new things upon returning. Uh, yes. I thought it would just be retre- retreading old territory. So this is tons of fun. Yeah, yes. yeah, and uh, you did discover a couple of new things, like with the day after Christmas. You didn't really remember that episode. You were able to, to yeah. talk about its, you know, subtle, uh, implicit bias or unconscious bias, yeah, which yeah, was yeah. really interesting. But anyway, um, the way this review format is going to go is that we are going to discuss the first three episodes in the Maury Rydell saga. Those are episode eight hundred two, Parker for President, eight hundred four, The Key Suspect, and eight thirty three, The Secret of the Writer's Ruse. So, without further ado, um, would you like to begin these episodes? Yeah, sure, let's just yeah. start off with the class president one. Yep. Yeah, Parker for president. So, um, this one starts out at Odyssey Middle. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and of course, a, these are kids talking. These are characters that we were not familiar with at all. No, uh, we so had no idea. We're coming into this with um, just complete blank slate on who all these kids are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so I could like at first I was like, okay, there's a bunch of kids, and the the boy is Matthew. All right, and, and the girls were probably hard to differentiate at first. The girls were they very were, hard it, to differentiate it, at first. It's getting easier uh, as they are splitting into well, doing their since own we've thing. Listened more. To so much of Emily, I could pick out Emily's voice now probably. And <clears throat> at first, I thought she was the gal who played Mandy. Oh, Aria, Aria, what is Aria's last Aria Curzon. Arya Curzon, yeah, but she, because she has a little bit of that tonal quality, yeah. but then listening to the credits, uh, her name didn't come up. Right, she is played by Christina Puccelli, is her actress, and who is actually okay. actually an adult. Um, oh, really? Yeah, and the actress who plays Olivia, her name is Kelly Stables, she's in her 40s. Wow, Yeah, that's pretty good. The actress who plays... She sounds very young. Yeah, the actress who plays Zoe is named Natalie Lander, I think she's in her early 20s. Okay, okay. And, and then Justin Felbinger, who plays Matthew, is um, the same age as Matthew. Oh, okay. That, that's a bit interesting, mm-hmm. playing against your sibling, who is a 40-year-old woman. <laughs> yeah, totally. How does that? So, how does the dynamics work in the booth? <laughs> I don't know, I don't know, but I think they get along really well. I'm, yeah, I'm sure it's fine. Are the characters twins? No, no, they're not. Uh, Olivia's the oldest sister, um, Matthew is a little bit younger, and then 
there's another Parker kid named Camilla, and she is the youngest. Okay. So, okay. talking just about the current cast of characters, one right. other character who seems like a regular was Dion? Yes, yes. He was introduced in a sub-arc um, that involved a lot of the other characters on the show, and he was kind of this bully who was more like yeah. uh, a punk, more than it, somebody yeah. who would beat people up. And yeah, is he kind of like the current Rodney Rathbone? He seems less caricature than Rodney was. Well, he yeah, but like he's known yeah. for a troublemaker, and he kind of shows up in troublemaker roles. Yeah, throughout the new eras of the show, there've been a bunch of different troublemakers, and mm-hmm. Rodney's character was actually split into two bullies back when the show rebooted in 2010. One of whom was the I'm a bully, and the other whom was I'm a, a weirdo who says goofy things to get myself noticed, and I'm very self-centered. And then Dion was more like um, somewhere in the middle between those two. Uh, currently okay. on the show, he he went through a kind of change of heart arc recently. Really? Yeah, actually, I think an album, like two albums right after this, uh, The Key Suspect. But uh, yeah, in this one, he's okay. meant to be... He's meant to be a Rodney Rathbone-esque character. Okay, okay. That, yeah, that was yeah. kind of the vibe I so, got. So, here's a strange question, but the guy, when when they split Rodney's character, did the same actor play both? No. Or did they, had they gotten rid of that actor? Yeah, yeah, Steve Burns, who played Rodney, had moved on yeah. by that point. Okay, okay. Got it. All right, so, well, on, on those lines, too, Josh mentioned when we get, um, Josh mentioned when we discovered that Olivia and... Matthew were siblings. He's like, is is this the new Jimmy and Donna? Because they have that kind of yeah, dynamic uh-huh. going on. Yeah, they they were the the main. Actually, it's it's interesting how it's broken up. If you take like the number of years divided by the number of episodes that were released, or something like that, the Parker family actually stayed on the show for about two times as long as the Barkley family did. Wow. Oh wow. Yeah, okay. they're just now phasing them out. But yeah, they were the norm. We're the your average average kids around odyssey yeah so they are they are basically yeah. jimmy and donna, jimmy and donna. okay yeah. awesome uh-huh. cool that's fun with the bigger like, yes i love their dynamic it uh-huh. was it was funny um all right but back to the plot so we get we open on the scene of olivia and emily and zoe and matthew all talking about the school getting a grant and olivia and matthew in particular are bouncing off ideas about what they could do with the grant, which then gives us a little, gives gave us a little insight into their characters. Matthew mm-hmm. was like, "Ooh, the computer club could need, could use new software," and so he's now instantly, "Okay, this is the kid that's really into computers, yeah, and technology." And Olivia's like, "Oh, the drama club needs, you know, new work. We can't paint those walls avocado green. We can't keep them avocado green." Well, that was Zoe actually. Zoe said the oh, avocado. Zoe? Yeah, Zoe said the avocado green, and Olivia said the drama club. Okay. I, okay. I, I'm sorry. It's so hard to differentiate here. That, the no, that's totally fine. <laughs> um, Olivia and Zoe have a, another episode later on that makes them easier to tell apart. Just okay. So. okay. Okay. Sounds good. Mm-hmm. Um, so this was one of the only nitpick things that I had and the only hiccups I had is because most grants, grant writing is really, really specific and technical and most of the times, if a school gets a grant... It has to be for specific things. Yeah, they're only allowed to do it for specific things. Like, we are going to write a grant proposal because we need new calculators. And whatever money we get goes to the calculator fund mm-hmm. or what have you. So it's not like you well, get a blank check point, for your school and you can use it wherever you to want. To the point where, like, we've had friends that are working with 
a particular school with after school programs and the school has had to be very very careful how they pay um this family based on the grants yeah it's very technical there's a lot of red tape Mm -hmm. so i guess it's in theory a school could get some kind of blank check and then use your best judgment about how to spend it, mm-hmm. but they probably would not be asking the well, kids for like, input the, on that. Well, yeah, especially since it has a very specific name rather than just, we got a whole bunch of money. Um, mm-hmm. So, well, just, yeah, just when we're talking about one, grants. Where, do you know where it says that specifically, is it the scene where they're talking to the principal where he says specifically the student body president would decide? Yes, it's the first the, uh, oh. the first scene. Um, Matthew brings up the name of it. It's called the Millie Port Meyer Grant. And then a little bit there later on, Matthew says to Principal Volger, hey, we have this idea about how we could use the money. And he, Principal Volger cuts him off and says, I'm sorry, but the student body president will decide that. Okay. Yeah, that was something that I didn't catch. Mm-hmm. But it works with the, oh, why don't you run for student body president? Right. Okay. And that's, yeah, that actually is about the second, almost the second scene. Because as they're all talking um, and then they're complaining about all the money, we'll always go to the athletics. And our athletics team is terrible. <laughs> um, which is very sad because that actually, that's a very normal Yeah, that's thing a very common kid oh, conversation. Uh, yeah. And then Maury shows up mm-hmm. in that conversation um, and introduces himself in Olivia. And he, and he has a nicely distinctive voice. Yes. Uh, yes. Uh-huh. You always it's very easy to tell who he is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then Olivia's like, oh, you're new. I'll go show you around. I'm heading that way. I think that we're in the same class. Let's go. And so that was really cool. And part of me at first thought that we were going to follow Olivia and Maury because Weirdly, I kind of knew we were doing the Maury Rydell arc when you mentioned it because looking at your website before we did uh, the first yeah, episode, yeah. there's a lot there's on so there about Maury. <laughs> I was like, yeah, and, so and we have not <laughs> listened to any of no, those. No, we've deliberately <laughs> not read anything, listened to anything. Even the titles, <laughs> though, are somewhat listen. telling. I'm sorry. Like, <laughs> I'm sorry about like that. Like, not really telling. I don't know where it's going. But even the question, was Maury right? I'm like, was he? Right, right about, right about <laughs> what? <laughs> you will get it. It will be extremely apparent when we get to okay. the end. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so then then we go have the conversation with with the principal and Emily is like, Matthew, you should run for president. And he suddenly is, no, no, I don't want to do that. Um, and so then she she kind of convinces him because she says, I'm going to be your campaign manager. Mm-hmm. And at first I thought it was Zoe who said that, but again, this is distinguishing. Right. Right. So um, so speaking of Maury, though, something I like in these is that he's, like, way behind the scenes. He's, like, yeah. so subtly here that it's you can forget about him yeah. uh, for long stretches of the plot yeah, it, until he shows back up. we would up. not have picked up on some of the things that we're picking up on if, if we had not known going into this that this is really about Maury. Yeah. Well, or, or I mean, it, it becomes apparent listening to the episodes in sequence. Well, yeah. By episode does. two, uh, the end of episode two, you oh, really yeah. understand that. Yeah. Oh, yes. Had we not listened to the episodes in sequence, though, there's details in the first episode that we probably would have not noticed at all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Or just glossed by, as the characters kind of glossed up by. Once or twice, something inexplicable happens, and then they never talk about it again. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. So something Which, interesting yeah. to, to, to pick up on about Maury is that um, while not every one of his lines will be crucial to the plot later, every single line that Maury says is deliberate and will be referenced later. Oh, wow. 
Mm-hmm. Every single one. Huh. Okay. All right. Huh. So pay attention to all that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And, <laughs> and, well, well, I, I would say that he is a guy who probably chooses his words carefully. He absolutely, yes. yes. And, and chooses the things he does carefully and chooses the way he acts carefully. Mm-hmm. And um, so all of that because um, Zoe is going to be... No, Emily is. Emily is going to be campaign Which, manager. That's right. Given this, given episode two and three of this arc so far, at least at least in because this is the first episode that we've met these kids, mm-hmm. I can understand why Emily would say, "I'm going to be your campaign manager." Because right. she and she and yeah, they, have a yeah, they're best buds. They are, and, yeah, and they yeah, have that best. detective agency thing, mm-hmm. which I guess is a thing throughout yeah. other episodes. I'm assuming, yeah, yeah, it's been like every other album or so. So it's actually a running thing, also that they have dry spells. It's mostly just because the authors can't figure out good <laughs> mysteries to write all the time. But it's oh, like yeah. every album, there'll be something about oh, Emily's brother lost his video game and they have to go find it, or somebody stole the chocolate malt balls out of the pinata, or somebody's which trying is, to. Which is fun, and it gives the writers a chance to play around with that, like, Dashiell Hammett film noir kind of dialogue. Yeah, it's fun. It's fun. But starting with this arc, uh, the Jones and Parker becomes really militarized in a way um, that centers exclusively around Maury. And the only Jones and Parker episodes we get from here on out are about, or feature Maury. Maury. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Um, so anyway, we wow, we're not going very far. So That's then they fine. find out. <laughs> it's okay. Then they find out Olivia is also running, and, and we have the funny interchange can. where Emily says it's someone who's smart, hardworking, and conscientious. Thanks, Emily. That's Thank great. you. Yeah, Emily. And, Thank and, you. and I and I called that before it happened. I was like, she's gonna run, she's and you're it. gonna have the siblings now well, going at the against time, each other. Like at that point, we still didn't know that they were siblings, and then we get into the next scene where like it's the middle of the night, and they're getting stuff to eat out of the fridge. And my first thought was. What is Emily doing in his house? <laughs> oh no, it's Olivia and their siblings. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I'm sorry. Maybe a little bit of context would have been helpful there, but yeah, you well, learn as you go. It, yeah. Yeah. We figured it out pretty quickly. Like, okay, okay, they're they're fine. And that was a really cool conversation that they had, just kind of mutually encouraging one another. Like, yeah, you're gonna do okay. Leading people is easy. Most people are sheep. Um, and, and, and the sibling rivalry has not kicked in full steam yet. No, no. And you made the comment at that point that like it's nice that they're not playing this as a knockdown dragout rivalry from the get go. Mm-hmm. Um, right. They know they have good intentions. At start. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're not rotten kids. Yeah. <laughs> so then um, the next scene, then Zoe. It's like the next day at school, and Zoe. Who apparently is like super into reporting, yes, and uh-huh. stuff. Okay, um, says that she's been awarded the she can be the official media person for the campaigns, and then she brings up Maury as a potential candidate, a potential person for Olivia's campaign manager. That he had done really good, successful campaigns. Did she actually list off the number of campaigns that he had done? Uh, twice at his previous school. Twice at his previous school. Okay. And he was overseas, so he has international experience, which that's probably going to be important. Mm, um, slightly, yes. And well, also, considering his sister's adopted, I only just now made that connection. Just, well, which makes me wonder, so, well, maybe we should talk okay. about that when we get to episode yeah. two. Yeah, okay. yeah. But I, but I hadn't even remembered him being overseas, he so that, overseas. that might be related to all that. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Or maybe not. Who knows? So they Anywhere. ask they ask Maury... 
And he's like, no, I'm, I'm retired. You're in middle school. That just means quitting. <laughs> and I, I think it's interesting because he, he plays it up as kind of a righteous thing. I, people can get ugly in politics. Um, but I, I'm done with that. And she's like, but please, 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 please. And he says, well, you've been really nice to me, Olivia. So I'll make an exception for you. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and he winds up, he has really, really savvy advice. Like, um, he knows. Right. He knows how people operate and how to he pull does. on their heartstrings he and does. how to. Yes, yes. Do, do all of the politicky well, things. Well, and the funny, one thing I noticed, because you have that, and then the next scene is, is Emily trying to get Matt to change his name and to be more relatable. And Matt is. And she's she's saying, no, I don't want you to, to be a different person. You just need to be more friendly. My volleyball team doesn't see you as very relatable. And he's like, okay, you want me to be a different person? <laughs> Basically. Basically. Oh, and it's interesting, like, no, this no, no, no. is the only episode where he goes by Matt. It's just a plot device for this. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, I mean, it makes sense. He's like, okay, I'll be Matt. Fine. Uh-huh. Um, whereas Maury is saying, okay, you are you. We need to figure out how to make you appealing to people that are not part of your demographic so yeah. what do we do with the band what yeah do they yeah want? basically do he's they bringing need? up specific issues mm-hmm. you need to you need to rile people up about certain things mm-hmm. which is really the way real politics works yeah mm-hmm. and it kind of ties um, into their their campaign slogans in that that contrast you just pointed out i didn't actually think about it a lot until now that emily says matt parker your friend for president and then uh, Maury has vote Olivia for a better tomorrow. So Maury's right. thinking about. Oh, and interesting. Also, uh, Matthew and Olivia spat later on, and Matthew says this campaign's about who has the best ideas. Well, that's what Maury's same thing was: vote Olivia for a better tomorrow. Then mm-hmm. Olivia comes back. It's about who's the best leader. That's Emily's thing. Uh, Matt Parker, your friend for president, he'll make a good leader. Mm-hmm. So it's mm-hmm. these two ideas yeah. of who's the best person and who has the best ideas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Which, so, I mean, you could just summarize every presidential election in real life oh. uh, with, with that kind well, of This since, just came out, like, 2016. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> pretty, well, also, pretty I mean, to pull in Neil Postman, since TV, it's also who has the best... Who looks the TV, best, who, who sounds the best. Who looks the best, best. Who sounds the best. And lately it feels like who looks more sensational. Mm-hmm. Who, who plays more sensational. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Um, All that stuff. So... Yeah, all that stuff. And so then we, we do the the fun and games montage where we're going through... Olivia's going speech through to the drama yeah, club, Yeah, Olivia's right? speech or to the drama club. Not the drama club, sorry. Not the, the drama uh, club. The march... Is it the... Is it the marching band? Is that them? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so... Well, and stuff about the mm-hmm. uniforms and, you know, they want to be taken, treated with respect. Just, yeah, just, just as much as the... Well, she... She wants to have pep rally that celebrates the marching band. Just as much as the sports team and their new uniforms with the feather duster hats. (laughs) (laughs) Which she personally doesn't like, but she knows that they're important to them, so she goes with them. Right, right. So, and then Zoe is talking to her about, like, I don't know what to write about now because Zoe's talking to Maury now. Zoe's talking to Maury. Okay, yeah, I don't know what to write about. And it's very interesting because I was like, Maury says that most most of the time the drama in the campaign comes from i don't 
don't he doesn't even say like i don't remember exactly what he says but he crafts his yes his speech uh-huh. so that you are assuming oh so like get dirt on the person or yeah. maybe they say something that is scandalous kind of create scandal and kind of almost this even bad publicity is publicity yeah but he never idea. says what he, he says, never says zoe go create scandal uh, yeah see what he says is unfortunately campaigns that seem to get the most press are the ones where the candidates stir up controversy people mm-hmm. love drama and drama is all about conflict we're just uh we're just lucky that Emily and Matthew aren't like most candidates these days or something like that. Yeah, it's just yeah. weird reverse psychology thing. Unfortunately, Zoe, because... Or is it? So who is he well, talking that, that to here? Wonder. Here's the question. Who is he hinting at is the person who should stir up controversy? Well, you wonder if he's hinting that Zoe should stir up the controversy if you she wonder. wants stuff to write about. Or... Who else is there? Olivia? Maury. Or Maury is the one stir... Hmm. Mm. Think about that. Think about that. Well, why would he be speaking this out loud? So he's having, like, his own internal monologue? This is a soliloquy? Uh, a little bit. Um, or maybe he is hinting to Zoe, hey, if that there's there controversy, controversy that comes up, you better report on it because you better be ready for what I have in store for you. Oh, that's about, yeah. Eh, maybe. I mean, maybe. I, I'm not saying maybe because you have insider knowledge, so sure, well, I'm going to go with I, what you say. So what I thought initially was... That I, I wonder, at this point, I wondered, is he, because we didn't know anything about Maury at this point, and I'm like, no. well, okay, either he's being very careless in his speech, or he's being very careful and putting the bug in in Emily's, Emily, not Emily, in Zoe's ear that, well, if you want stuff to write about, you might just have to play dirty. To play dirty. Hmm. And that was the way and I, I thought, oh, is that was the is way Emily I heard go do something? And... Again, I mean, we're coming at this, I'm coming at this, knowing that this is about Maury. So. Which I didn't know uh, going in. I, I, I told you. No. <laughs> no, oops. Sorry. Yeah. Um, fortunately, Zoe doesn't take the bait and do anything herself. I was a little worried that she would. Uh-huh. But yeah, that got me thinking, like, okay, is he's got to be deliberately So, all, So all that said, at what point is there the note in Zoe's locker? Uh, so um, it's in Emily's locker, and it's uh, after it's after Matthew talks to the drama club. Yeah. So Matthew, Matthew, and oh, one one quick Emily. thing here, I just want to bring yeah. up is we missed something a little earlier. Uh, there's a cameo from the writer of the next episode, Bob Hoos. He plays Mr. Redikoff, the janitor. Oh, okay. Oh, uh, okay. Cool. Yeah, and so Redikoff or Rent a Cop? Oh, it's Redikop. R E D E K O P. Yeah, actually, Red-a-cop. it's a cameo for the um the founder of the Adventures in Odyssey wiki, or like the the main administrator on the wiki. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> and that's that's kind of funny, but um basically we have the the jumping back and forth between Emily and Matthew. Olivia and Maury, what Olivia's doing with the drama club, yeah. and then Olivia, and, yeah. and so it, it goes back and forth a bunch of times. So that raises right. the question for me: when do you when do you get your cameo? I already did. Did what? you really? <laughs> yeah, I did. <laughs> they named the character. How fun! It was just like a one time. My name is. I'll I'll drop my last name right there. <laughs> Go ahead and take it, everyone who's trying to track down my last name. But yeah, he's in a he's in an episode. Oh, okay, cool. That's, that's funny because Josh was like, "Least not his real name." Yeah. I said, no, I, he gave me his real name in the first email, and I don't remember it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
yeah. Hi. Hi. So, um... Which, which what... I mean, this is so far off topic, you can even cut this out of the podcast <laughs> if you want. What's the purpose of the pen name? Uh, I just didn't want... I've been doing this since 2017, I didn't really want my uh, real name out there. So, it was, yeah. like, I had the I had the pseudonym, um, and I decided to use it for a while, and it's just kind of become my brand now. Okay. Okay, cool. Okay. Um, anyway, yeah, and, like, Matthew... Matthew decides to do his to talk to the drama club because they needed to figure out some way to well Emily was saying we need to figure out some way to top Olivia because she's recognizing now that Olivia's campaign is all about making the school better but Matthew you always have ideas about making the school better which the principal actually confirms before they even talk about this yeah. in the first scene when he right. says or second scene and matthew's a savvy kid yeah and so he comes up with a way to make the drama club better so that when when um olivia walks in and starts talking to them and it's funny because the sound even the sound yeah. is silence they're less like coughing yeah. yeah and and i'm like they he's turned them not through any malice but he's turned them and so he has to tell her i'm so sorry most of the drama club is not voting for you. Yeah. And so, and so we do wind up with, they get, things get a bit more nasty uh, between the siblings. Well, Olivia's the one who starts it. Because, yes. like, she goes back and she's all in a tiff because that was my idea and you took it away. And, and like a typical drama person, she's overreacting. <laughs> and Matthew doesn't, doesn't respond very well because he does the snotty, this is not personal, it's just politics. Oh, well, fine, if that's the way it is. So, yeah. and then, Which becomes a line that's thrown back at him, oh, yeah. you know, later. But then, so, I, again, since for now we're, we're like, reading everything into Maury's lines, um, when she says, I'm going to go after the, the um, computer club because that's his baby, and Maury says, I don't think that's a good idea to be going on a vendetta right now, which possibly was designed to just incite her further mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. maybe or maybe not e- who knows either way point. who knows at this point yes so she goes and she um she's going to talk to the tech club and this is when emily gets a note in her locker right, right. and she says apparently somebody figured out how to break into my locker now this is the um the biggest I, there are several plot points throughout part uh part one of this arc i'll bring up uh, I think there are three main points here that do become extremely significant later. Like every part of this episode is referenced in some way. The three parts okay. are very significant. One is Maury's conversation with Zoe. Two is the note mm-hmm. in Emily's locker. Mm-hmm. Three is the write-in campaign later on. So all of oh, those... Write-in. Somebody did a write-in campaign, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And we already talked about this. I'm pretty sure that it was Maury that started that. Mm. Um, and we And we already had that. As a thought. Right. Yeah. Also, mm-hmm. the locker break-in, that is the detail that's, like, completely glossed over. It's like, someone mm-hmm. broke into my locker and put a note there. But it becomes really important in the next episode because of all of the stuff about the locker break-ins mm-hmm. is, like, the big point of the next episode. Yeah. But in this one, it's almost like, oh, no it's, big deal. Yeah, Let's move on. It's mentioned, and then it's it's secondary to everything else that's going on with the with the campaigns. Right. So, um, 
So she gets the note in her locker. Mm-hmm. What was the actual text of the note? That something uh, was going to go on in the computer lab. They probably need to be there. Right. It's it's confirmed in a future episode. The quote is verbatim. Matthew needs to be in the computer lab after school. Okay. Instead of helping kindergartners cross the road. Yeah, basically. Well, he was going to be there instead, and the note simply directed him elsewhere. Back to, yeah. So they go, he goes to the computer lab and sees Olivia. And she's giving a speech. (laughs) Yeah. Giving a speech to the the tech people. Who are actually really interested in what she's talking about. Oh, yeah. yeah. And it, like, she does have a decent point when she says, when she asks him to explain why they need new software. And he goes into a long technical explanation. (laughs) And she's like, boring. Boring. They're not going to care about that. We need somebody who's going to be able to talk to them in words that they can understand. And I really liked the way that (laughs) that their um, argument (laughs) devolved. Like, I inspire. No, you you conspire. You perspire. (laughs) And then Emily cuts him off. Yeah, yeah. it it almost becomes like, your face is, you know, whatever. <laughs> but it's super immature, but in in a clever sort of way. Yeah, yeah. it was it was fun. So I, I want to note real quick that this is the only episode of this nine part series that's written by Kathy Buchanan, who is the only female writer on the show. She's been around since about two thousand when she started, and oh, cool. uh, she usually handles her comedy niche of the show. And she's the most prolific writer on the show at the moment. She writes the most episodes per season. Oh wow! Cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. So she has she has a nice touch. I like her style. Mm-hmm. That's very good. So then they then they're going to do the debate. Now, I at first thought their debate was going to be live, but they're actually just recording it over Kids Radio. Well, the way Kids Radio is set up, um, it's a running thing that it's not exactly pinned down what Kids Radio is, but there are live shows on Kids Radio. Okay. And is it I run just, out I of Wits End? Uh-huh. Yeah, it is. There's a uh, there's a whole kids radio studio that's used several times throughout the show. Okay. Yeah. Um, and that got started. Yeah, way back in the day. Yeah. 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 But I I was wondering if this one in particular was live because I didn't hear crowd sounds. It's just the three of them. Well, it's probably live over the radio. There's just not a studio audience. Right. Okay. So that's what I meant. Are they going to do it in front of an audience or they're just no, just no. the three of them? Just recording. the three okay. of them, and then Olivia, and then Emily when she bursts in. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. So poor, poor Zoe is like, this is great. <laughs> um, so yeah, the, that starts from the first question and then it just turns into sibling bickering and talking about like, what I say in my pajamas is not on the record. Yeah, and, and, then... and, and it kind of recalled for me all of the in real life political campaigns Pulling up old quotes and yeah. old tweets and old, like, from decades ago well, kind of stuff. Yeah, and even things like, you know, when the Duggar scandal went nuts, people deliberately went and found, like, criminal files from when their son was a, a juvenile, which those are locked records. Yeah. Like, just, because just, Olivia's blow about, he used to have this stuffed animal. Yeah, just pull, just pulling like, up old dirt really? on people that's not yeah. necessarily relevant to things at hand. So I, uh, I was actually, I actually went through these episodes recently and I ranked all of them. This one isn't my favorite um, for a couple of reasons. And one of them is the scene. Uh, two reasons if you're, if you're okay if I give them now. Oh, yeah, yeah go, go for it. So one of them is that 
um, Olivia and Matthew misquote each other throughout the uh, debate, and it's not called out that they're misquoting each other. It's just assumed mm-hmm. that they're quoting each other properly. So Matthew brings up a line about Olivia stating about the the, the football team, which is mm-hmm. why they both deserve their losing record, that she actually didn't, she didn't say, say that. that. No, yeah, she didn't say that. Yeah, I didn't. don't remember her saying that. I feel like it's just, it's either deliberately a misquote or it's uh, a mistake in the writing. And also, mm-hmm. most people want someone to tell them what to do that's not that's not the exact quote that olivia said and also when uh olivia said uh i'm not as good with people as you are Mm that wasn't matthew's exact quote either but the other thing is that all of this is hearsay and in a one in a court of law and two in formal debate you don't bring up hearsay because it can't be proven yeah uh and that was have you seen the movie you've got mail with yes yeah, there's a there's a line of hearsay in there where the the main protagonist female says about Tom Hanks that I heard him say this, and I think well he doesn't have any reason to respond to that because it was a private conversation and it wasn't recorded and nobody can back it up and he can just say that she took him out of context anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, that's that, true. That's the problem with hearsay, and that's why you don't bring it up in context like that. Well, right. Th- well, that's... that said. I this love is... You've Got Mail. I, I don't like yeah, yeah. most romantic comedies, but boy, that movie's excellent. <laughs> it's hilarious. It's great. It, it's one that we quote frequently. Uh-huh. Yeah, another one that we quote frequently. <laughs> well, and that's, your point is, is good about the hearsay, and that's why you should not, any any reasonable, smart person should not bring it up, and any reasonable and smart person should be able to say that's hearsay and take it with a grain of salt. Does that actually happen in media? Never. Well, and, and these characters are children, yes. and they go from acting like, you know, civil, civil, politicians yeah, politicians to, to their their middle schoolers and their middle school siblings. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, so the bickering comes out over the air, which yeah, is even like more, that, more so than the Barclays were, where it was all behind closed doors. Yeah, right, versus, right. Pro- like, probably pretty embarrassing. embarrassing and honestly, yeah. if I was their parents, I would probably be listening to their on-the-air thing. And their parents would probably be so embarrassed. Yeah. Uh-huh. How, how that's what, that's what Olivia said at the beginning. My parents won't let it get ugly. Yeah. yeah. Well, too late. Uh, <laughs> and, I, and I would be like, okay, neither of you is going to be president. How about that? I'm your dad. <laughs> it's not happening. Shut it down immediately. Yeah, I'm surprised. Also, you're grounded. Yeah. No it's... more C-SPAN for like two months. <laughs> so here's a thought, and this is something that I thought about listening at the end of the episode that their parents are strangely absent through this episode and it may be just for time Mm -hmm. but for example this particular scene they they could have called the studio they're like shut up now that would have been a good idea yeah we're we're not continuing this both of you need to come home and Mm. we're done and we're gonna Um, work through this yeah yeah Yeah, definitely in in one way or another yeah but that that would have been hilarious but they didn't and they seem strangely absent from the show now you have said that they're all fairly regular so i'm assuming that we've met the parker parents we have very involved yes but throughout the maury rydell arc the only adult the only main adults we see are eugene and wit and then there are other characters who are tangential to the story who appear later but we don't see the parents and it is implied uh it is implied by and i think i asked Phil Lawler, who is again the the writer for right. a lot of these episodes, he only right. he was a, a co writer on the the last one that we we're going to be talking about today. I asked him about the parents issue about through other episodes, and he said, "Well, you know, wit. We, there's a lot of happen that happens off screen or off audio that we don't hear. So, mm. 
Wit could have been in contact with the parents during certain points of the saga, and maybe the parents had this interaction, but it wasn't important enough to the story to include it. Right. Is is Connie still around? Yeah, yeah, she's still around. She's still single, though. <laughs> I think. She is she still in high school? school? No, no, she graduated and she is now taking college classes. Okay. So oh, finally, still, after how many episodes? <laughs> yeah, thir- thirty years later, now she's in college. Well, yeah, I mean. <laughs> There's, there's certain characters that just we just have to accept that they're ageless. She's Eugene, eternally Wit, young. Connie. Mm-hmm. Especially Rodney because Eugene's life. actor, Will Ryan, is now, I think, 78 years old. Whoa! Is man. he really? Yes. And he's Eugene is probably thing. still, like, in college. Oh, he's he's aged a little Maybe bit. 30. Okay, he has yeah. aged a bit. No, but Will Ryan still sounds the same. Yeah. More yeah. or less, yeah. As soon as he spoke, I was like, ah, Eugene! Yay! <laughs> Yeah, so anyway, Emily comes in and is just completely awesome and says, guys, stop this. This is not about who is better than who. This is about Odyssey Middle and what we can do for it. And as soon as she was giving her inspiring speech, I was like, she's going to be the president. Like, Uh she's got the leadership skills that neither of the siblings have. Yeah. Mm, Right. Yeah. So. And that uh, that happens in the exact next scene. Yeah, in the exact next scene, they confirm it. Like, there was a write-in campaign, and they asked Emily, and Emily, do you want this? And she's like, ah, okay. and, and the kids, the kids never really question who did the write-in campaign or anything like mm-hmm. that. We immediately said Maury. it must have been Maury. Yeah. But that was before I knew any of the weirder, kind of more nefarious stuff going on with Here's Maury. Here's a question, though. Was yes. it Maury or was it Suzu? Good question, Excellent, excellent observation. I cannot but, confirm or deny that right now, but that but is Suzu, brilliant. But that you Suzu up was on not that. involved. Suzu wasn't she introduced wasn't. in this episode. It doesn't no, matter. She's doesn't an important matter. character She's... in the saga. You saw it, how yeah. clever well, she was in episode. And there two. was one line that Maury said something about have to meet my sister. At the or very end, like when that. they're talking to Maury and they're explaining what happened, he's like, "Oh, cool." I think right. she'll be a good president. I have to go meet my sister. I'm like, oh, he has a sister? Okay. Right. It's similar to Novacom, where you can have an overarching arc and not have yeah. the antagonist revealed until, like, the last episode, when, mm-hmm. in which the chairman finally was revealed. Shows but up, yet he yeah. was involved throughout all the rest of it. So, you know, that could be a possibility here. But I am so, so pleased with you, Rachel, that you picked up on that. Excellent <laughs> oh, job. Thank you. So, yeah, well... That took a bit of thinking, but yeah. I, yes. <laughs> yeah, and all that to say, speaking of, like, these individual arcs, I liked the, I really, really liked just the student government kind of uh-huh. story. The way that it, was run. Yeah. Although I haven't listened to Odyssey in quite some time, this felt immediately familiar. It felt like classic Odyssey. Yeah. Um, and, Which, it's great and because like, we both have been a little bit, disillusioned with some of the later odyssey that we listened to granted we stopped around yeah it was like it was early 2000s and there was a point when odyssey was getting really really soapy either soapy or just like bonkers off the wall i mean you talk about bethany's flood um (laughs) there were more stuff that happened where like they were fun broken window is kind of one of them it's it's oh yeah better than bethany's flood but stuff that happened that's just like this is completely off the wall even though it's funny, it's just what what are we even doing here? Um, yeah. So so all that said, to come back and hear that 
you know, more recent Odyssey, mm-hmm. this feels like the stuff I liked as a kid. Which and I'm in, like, ah, in part, yes. In part is why we're like, doggone it, you got us hooked again. Because I said <laughs> to Josh after after the first episode, we might need to ask for a subscription to the AV Club for Christmas. Uh, AIO. <laughs> AIO. <laughs> no, not AIO. AV it, Club. No, that's a movie review website. All right, AIO. <laughs> What if is, you get a subscription, the then thing? have me give you a listening list so that okay. you can get caught up on everything. <laughs> yeah, okay. maybe maybe we'll do a curated list of like what's essential, well, what's the best things so to listen to. There's so uh-huh. much, yeah. No, yeah, truly, right, right. Yeah, and and our child is not quite old enough to. He's heard. I mean, he heard this episode, but he's not quite old enough to appreciate. To it listen yet. and he's follow him. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, okay, so yeah, that was a fun twist, and I liked how. The siblings are now reconciled. Like, this quick reconciliation. Yeah, as soon as they realize that neither of them is going to be president, they're both cool with it. They're like, okay, Okay, whatever. Yeah, Yeah, we we Um, know we both messed up, and um, it was our own fault, so really there's no point in arguing with each other anymore. mm -hmm, mm -hmm, And I appreciated that. And, yeah, then they're talking about, like, oh, our parents will be disappointed. And that's when I was wondering, well, like, we haven't actually seen the parents in this episode. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, and that's kind so then, of it. And yeah, then we get to the outro. Well, then we get to more. We do get a little. Well, bit more Maury, at the end. yeah, we get a little bit of Maury at the end, and he he kind of is like, oh yeah, I'm glad Emily got to be president. I think she'll be a really good president. And he chuckles. And he chuckles, and then he's like, well, I gotta go meet my sister. Mm-hmm. And then leaves, and they're like, okay. And then there's a little bit of a, a joke at the end about Camp David, uh, which Emily, oh, yes. and, Olivia, and Matthew's father's name is David. Oh, okay. That makes it uh-huh. yeah, uh-huh. that's nice. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's and then Chris's outro. We actually that was a really solid outro. Yeah, and, okay. and so the the moral and Bible lesson is not embedded so much in these stories, but I like that it's that when Chris well, speaks, it's yeah. tied yeah. to what's going on. It's more of a um, Mars Hill kind of thing where we're drawing. Uh, we're drawing parallels and scriptural lessons out of something that could be secular. Yes. In a way. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Which yeah, makes room for a lot of good storytelling. It does. It does. And it, and, I and it that. didn't feel like they were shoehorning stuff in. Sometimes no. with the early ones where the listening to it, it, <laughs> char- yeah. characters are shoehorning some kind of moral and or even, you know, just we haven't mentioned church or we haven't mentioned Jesus yet. So Time to do that. Like let's let's shoehorn that in. Like well, to remind people had... this is a Christian show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, these days um, it's usually only done when it's a, a plot point. Like there are characters yeah. on the show who are non Christians. And actually there was an episode recently where it was all kid characters and all of them were non Christians. And it was really interesting how really? they were still able to draw a Christian moral out from an episode like that. And Chris said at the end, here's the, the Christian moral that we can live as Christians. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I appreciate that too because I feel like in the early episodes, especially as well, most all of the characters were Christians, and the only characters that were not were like the caricatures: Bart Rathbone, Rodney, people that were very definitely people that you didn't like, or even well, Eugene. Uh, well, yeah, Eugene. But, Eugene was. But the Eugene only one was likable. Yeah, I mean, yeah. from it the was start, he was likable. The, the likable non-Christian. Connie was a non-Christian for a while, but then she becomes a Christian, and then she has friends that are non-Christians, and there's episodes about her. But Connie's friends are never likable. Not really. Connie never like, really has for, any friends, which is unfortunate. Yeah, Cheryl shows up several times, and then but Cheryl becomes a Christian. 
Yeah, yeah. I think briefly is Cheryl only in that only in that one episode where she becomes a Christian. No, she's also in the very embarrassing boy. Oh yes, episode. yes, that one. <laughs> yeah, where uh, where Connie has to date a yeah, a boy, which, yeah. <laughs> which is actually uh, we heard kind of an interview thing with Katie Lee. She actually despises that, that episode. Yeah, that is that is her least favorite episode. Oh man, oh man, oh well, she's too bad. Like <laughs> For what it's worth, I yeah. kind of, you know, nope. Let's not let's not get into that. Yet. Okay, <laughs> it's not. Yeah, it's one of those. That's not a bad subject to talk about with the kids but it can't yeah okay okay. (laughs) Um, right here we go yeah so this is a pretty solid episode this is uh it starts off like a one-off and this is the point where i think i told you that this was the maury rydell yeah probably i was like so this kid feels more important than anything something i like about these is and I may have even said this at the beginning, but it feels like we're being fed information with an eyedropper. Like, Mm -hmm. it's just little bits here and there while there's other stuff going on. This is all happening kind of sleight of hand. Blink and you miss it. And you know, some Um, of them, some of the, I I mean, continuing the parallel, some of the eyedrops actually make it into the beaker and some of them don't. So some of them are important. Some of them Some aren't. Of them are not. Yeah. Yeah. That's oh, which which is tons of fun. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's a mark of pretty mature storytelling. Yeah, we especially you know we just listened to the first six now episodes of the season of the first whole three. thing. No, the first we I didn't give you our the next podcast week. right. Oh, our the podcast whole thing. Listen oh, to the, the first whole. six episodes, including the one we did with Yuli. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Comparing that with these episodes, which were done just much, much years later, ago, the writing is much stronger yeah, than in the early episodes. Big, big difference. Mm-hmm. So is um, sound and music and, and mm-hmm. all really all aspects have come a really long way. Yeah, it's funny though because the theme the theme is completely different now, and that was one of the first things we mentioned. Like, what? Where's the theme, the theme music? The theme? Oh yeah, there, there actually yeah. is no theme music on any of these episodes until uh, episode four. Okay. Was it cut for time? No, it's just that Odyssey tends to do uh, like episode centric uh, intros. John Campbell, who's right. a composer, will compose uh, will compose an intro for this episode. It's just part of the score, and then uh, other episodes, it's the "Hi, this is Chris. Welcome to Odyssey" intro. Okay. Okay. And the yeah. the raps music, the the ending music, is kind of a uh, it's similar to the theme music these days. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. So thoughts on Mori were like right now he feels very mysterious. He's a man of mystery. He has hidden talents. Yes, many hidden talents apparently, <laughs> and possibly wisdom beyond his years. But they're playing everything very close to the vest. Yes. And we may note, okay, he has a sister. Is this going to be pertinent? Yeah, we, and we find out later that it is pertinent. And and he didn't feel malicious this then. Episode. That episode, there, I didn't read any malice. Okay. Starting in the next episode, I was like, I don't know what to do with this kid. <laughs> like, I just don't know. Yeah, that's correct. That is the correct response. And I wanna, I wanna bring up the the three main plot points I I mentioned before. Bef- mm-hmm. re- before we move on, um, I forgot about this. I wanted to ask. So with Maury talking to Zoe about stirring up controversy, and then that mm-hmm. tying into the note in Emily's locker. Mm-hmm. I won't say anything here, but who do you think is responsible for the note in Emily's locker? Maury. 
Okay. Yeah, that's that's who we're thinking. And who do you right think now is, at least? Okay, and who do you think is responsible for the student council uh, write-in vote? I, well, I thought I thought Maury, since, since but the now beginning I'm, of our conversation, but now I'm I thinking maybe Suzu for both. Hmm. Well, but the only reason I'm thinking that is because of things that you've said, now, and now I don't know. Question, here's a question, though, because uh, per our conversation, is why I asked the question: Is was Suzu the one with the writing campaign? Judging by the way that Suzu behaves in episode two, also judging by the way Suzu behaves in episode two, is it possible that she? could break into the locker before she went and bought the keys and everything. I don't know. <laughs> okay, don't, yeah, okay. okay, don't tell us things. Don't okay. tell us. It, I, I will say this. Possible. I will say this. You are catching on to a lot, a lot faster than any of us did, and it's amazing. Oh, really? Oh, wow. <laughs> we're basically detectives I'll stop that. we're writers so it's like stuff means things yeah um, now, something I always told uh, my students when I was an English teacher is that writers don't do things on accident yeah. mm-hmm. and, and that's the mark of good writing is that stuff isn't there by accident if it's included if it's a line of dialogue if it's something it serves some purpose to Mm -hmm. tell you about the world to tell you about the characters Mm -hmm. to tell you about the plot to tell you something well and especially as since they've gotten so good it is we ought to expect that they're going to to do everything very intentionally right yeah to write so yeah and this was apparent about through the the Darkness Before Dawn series as well, with the mm-hmm. the dropping of Rue Dash Ka in the yeah. uh, Imagination Station program, and oh, yeah. mm-hmm. the constant mentioning of Blaggard even before he came, and the tie into a name not a number, and the Ruku mm-hmm. there, and and all of mm-hmm. that Edgebiter, yeah. all of the little elements that tied together that the characters were constantly trying to work through. Mm-hmm. It was very intentional how all oh, yeah. the little details were dropped. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. We love that series. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so, moving into... Did you have any more you wanted to say about this episode? Me? No. No, that was it. Okay. So, moving into the key suspect, we have the first that we've heard of the um, noir-style Dashiell Hammett... De- detective agency detective stuff. Detective agency mm-hmm. stuff with Emily and Matthew, which is And with the fun. kids doing detective stuff, I had throwbacks to my childhood uh, reading Encyclopedia Brown. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. There's there's a little bit of Encyclopedia Brown going on with these kids. Mm-hmm. Especially because this mystery is one that was uh, that sat unresolved for 4 years and so I put out every theory possible to try to solve it. And this ends up being the the episode that the wrap-up episodes or the later episodes in this saga take the most time discussing. So really? Oh cool. Okay. Yeah. This episode so, so has a lot of that, So we're getting this in a very different version than most listeners got it because we're having them all back to back. Yes. It would be way more fascinating almost. Well, this one was like a week. You said two weeks later? Yeah, yeah but is, then to have this and then have, Nothing. what did you say, four years four before years. this was referenced again? Yes, actually, yeah. And does Maury show up in other episodes in between all this? No, no. Uh, the nine parts that I'm reviewing with you here are his only episodes because really yeah well because if he showed up in any other episodes and that would make that episode important wouldn't it 
that's true. Uh, that's or, true. or maybe not. I, I don't maybe, know. Maybe not. And that might be the case with some of these. Like maybe later on, some of what Maurice is purported to have done or Maurice's lines in these episodes might not have a lot of bearing on the eventual outcome, but they're still included here because Maurice's character gets a lot of development throughout these episodes. Mm-hmm. And, so, okay. and so does Emily's for that matter. Yeah, I really like Emily. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so a lot of a lot of people don't like her, but I think Why? this arc and well, because in some of her earlier episodes, she's very pushy with Matthew. Like Emily's brother has a crush, and Emily's very pushy with Matthew about oh. we need to get them together or we need to do this, and she comes across as annoying and disrespectful to, at, at some points, and um, all, that kind of goes a little bit unchecked at times. And so there are a lot mm-hmm. of fans who are saying I don't like Emily because of that, but. Um, these episodes do that justice in bringing out that side of Emily and then addressing mm-hmm. it later on. She's yeah, she's a spitfire, mm-hmm. which yeah. in some respects Matthew kind of needs. Mm-hmm. Definitely, yeah, yeah. It, she's a good foil for Matthew. Yeah, but I can see how like she's a girl, so this kind of the, being pushy in that respect of Matthew, you need to help me get my brother together with it, yeah it didn't feel unrealistic, that or, feel over, unrealistic. or over annoying to uh-huh. me um, right. as an idea you know and it may be like stop it emily that's not the time but i don't think that would make me dislike emily right it, it is different things about maybe the actress's portrayal of her but it's maybe. uh it's very it's very nuanced and fans are very uh not not too polarized on it but fans have very differing opinions on it i feel like that's the case with all fandom yeah yeah, yeah pretty much yeah goodness Okay, um, so going into this, so the, um, she we talks with about the, the narration. we start off with the gumshoe narration, and then they walk into the school, and we, are, we move into the scene that she was talking about, where, oh my goodness, all the lockers are open, and they ask the principal what's going on. And the principal on. is going and closing, closing things, everything. and it doesn't look like anything's been stolen. Yeah, and he's like, what are you guys doing here so early? Well, we're here to work on the project for improving the drama club because she's callback. she's class yeah callback she's class president and that's something that had been promised to the drama club and so they're working on that and I'm assuming because Matthew it was Matthew's idea he's part of working on that too weird note okay as I'm thinking about this because he had gone to the high school to ask for their old equipment yes for lights. So that was a way to improve the drama club without needing to use the grant. Uh, I guess. Yeah. I, I, one thing I noticed about last episode is that the grant was the grant only mentioned in the beginning. The grant just shunted aside. Yeah. It was the impetus. And then throughout the rest of it, it's more motivations and ideas and, and things like mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But so she's got Matt, Matthew um, helping her with that part probably because it was part of his idea. Right. Anyway, they're there, and and Dion is there for some strange reason. Mm-hmm. And, and the principal's the like, "Why are you why here? Are you here? Uh, uh, I've I, got I my reasons. My, yeah, I've got my reasons. And, and that's when your business. Yeah, that's when we we're like, is this a new Rodney? Yeah. <laughs> and he sends him out. He's like, okay, everybody out until I finish closing the locker. Yeah, and he doesn't try sending him out until Dion shows up. <laughs> yeah, that's true. He's like, he's totally cool with. These two responsible kids. These two responsible kids. Dion, no, you need to go now. (laughs) (laughs) And then, of course, he can't just send him out and not the others. It's like, okay, you guys go too. (laughs) Matter of principle here. The principal has to send them out. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. um, And they can't, by lunch, they can't figure out why 
what's going on. I'm trying to remember. Why the lockers They've are dug lockers. up exactly dug nothing. Nothing. And Emily is is talking at Matthew about how they what they need to do and how they've dug up nothing. And then she's like, Earth to Matthew. What is going on? Are you staring at that girl across yeah, the way? Yeah, and, and so there's I was getting the... Charlie Brown and the little red-headed girl Aww, yeah. vibes. <laughs> yeah, so there's the pretty Asian girl, Suzu. Suzu. Who, who's like, and she remembers his name and stuff. Aww. Which is, <laughs> which he's like, he's like, uh, she probably has no idea who I am. Yeah. Hello, Matthew. Hello, Matthew. And he's like, uh. uh. And Emily's like, introduce me. Come on. <laughs> And this is an interesting thing in that, um, unfortunately, I would have liked to have seen more of the Matthew Suzu ship throughout the rest of these episodes, but it, it doesn't really go anywhere. So, interestingly, though, this is long before I had any idea that she had any relation to Maury. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, this, she was know. just a random girl. Yeah, she's yeah. just a new girl. And, and not just random girl, I mean, she is... Asian. She has a clearly Japanese, Japanese accent. Mm-hmm. And Mori doesn't. And Mori no. does not. So there was no reason for me to connect them yeah. until later. And I was like, oh. Right. I don't even remember if I was thinking that she was Mori's sister at the time. I don't remember where my thoughts were at that point. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like they, they very cleverly don't have any connection with Mori except that she just moved here and she's Japanese. And Mori which was is, from another um, country, overseas. Yeah, Mori was yeah. overseas. So which, have... that was not even a connection I made until we were just talking, you know, right. just a few minutes ago. Here's a thought, though, because I was thinking about this with, with Suzu, and actually Josh and I were talking about this a little bit before the um, before we got on the call with you. That Suzu has definitely has an accent. And I understand for, for the audio, they may want to give her an accent so that you continue to remember that she's Japanese. Or, or just to differentiate her from or other characters or whatever. Her. But, I mean, they have, I don't know, they have a bunch of American girls yeah. talking. Um, but she's adopted, so here's a question. She knows Maury well enough to have the conversation that we have at the end of this yes. episode. Mm-hmm. How long has she been part of Maury's family? Because if she's been adopted and she still has, it sounds like a pretty you know, thick English accent. is her second language. So she's been immersed in the Japanese, in, at least in the Japanese, the, her, her primary language, which I'm not sure if it's Japanese. There's multiple languages in Japan. Um, but if she were adopted, say, even when she were two, mm-hmm. she pro- and grew up in an American household, even if they were overseas, she very likely would have had an American accent. Yeah. But, and it seems mm-hmm. like, she would have gotten to know Maury to the level that they can have the conversation they have at the end of the episode. Yes, yes, that's all true. That's all true. But they were all... It, it, it's interesting, and I'm not sure, entirely sure it's ever going to be explained, but it's an interesting or, or, side-by-side or, yeah, thing yeah, because it, they it were just... Explained. Were they picking her up? In oh, is, oh, it is, oh, it is, it is explained. Their family history is explained. Well, their family history is a little bit spoilery, so I don't want to get into it. But okay, if, no, if, okay. if, you, if you look at their history, you can see bits and pieces of why Suzu has a Japanese accent and why Mori has an American accent. And it's not deliberately spelled out. Um, but you but can it, extrapolate. But it's, yes. Yeah, but it's not okay. just a lazy oversight. Right. Right. Okay. Got okay. it. Yeah. Okay. Well, That's good enough for me. Awesome. Mm-hmm. All right. We'll, we'll, we won't get into that. It, we won't get into that until 
like the end of it Probably. all. Yeah, I'm sure there's going to be yeah. a lot of stuff that we're asking questions about now that won't be clear. Everything you've asked a question about is pretty much a spoiler. So. <laughs> okay, okay. All right, well, it means that we're kind of on the right track. Good, <laughs> good. 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 So, yeah, she comes over, and it's her... her um, her little speech to Emily and Matthew was interesting. Like people speak of you with respect and they, I really am impressed with all of the work that you do solving cases, which that, that was the first indication yeah, it was, I had that, Oh, this is like a regular thing for them. Okay. It, yeah. It, it was a little bit flattery. It felt a little bit flattery and uh-huh. kind of strange. It was like, is this right. simply they're giving her a more one, a more precise manner of speaking because English is not her first language. And it does feel a little, you know, lay on the butter. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, w- I will bring this up again here. Uh, this is so great hearing you say this because this is an important plot point. This is an extremely oh. important plot point. Uh, what you just brought up that, that she, people... she, she deliberately mentions this and also her line about people speak of you very highly. The exact implications of that are brought out later. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. okay so people meaning Maury? Possibly. Possibly. possibly or Maybe possibly. other people. Possibly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, Maybe. I mean, and she's saying people speak of you with respect. Now, some of it too is Emily is class student body president right now. Right. But she also deliberately, I think, references their detective duo. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. As a detective duo. Um. Okay. So then they go. Matthew says. Uh, uh, <laughs> it takes Matthew a couple minutes to speak in full sentences again. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> And Emily's like, we're leaving now so that you can actually speak in full sentences and we, uh-huh. <laughs> we can get back to work. So they're um, on their way to talking to Principal Vogler. Right. Principal Vogler. And nothing seems to be stolen. Except and... before then, we have a little interaction with... Oh, them and Maury. Yeah. Don't they? And Maury is like... I don't remember. Are you guys, are you guys investigating the locker stuff? Yeah, he says he loves a good. He's really impressed by what they do. He loves a good yeah. mystery. He's not very good at solving them, but his sister's really his good. His sister is. Yeah, and that's when I was like, well, no, I still didn't know Suzu. Was yeah, no. Okay, but I would notice like his sister. He talked about his sister at the end of the last episode. Yeah, and when he said his sister again, that was I think the time when it clicked, and I was like, ooh, sister. He mentioned her before. He's mentioning her now. We haven't met her yet. I didn't know we had met her. Yeah. Um, so anyway, right. So, yes, and then like Maury brings up, I'm super impressed with your work as a detective agency, which is further solidifying this. Oh, they do this as a regular thing. Everybody knows about this. Yes, thing. yes, yes. Um, so yeah, no, I didn't know. Okay, and then he's like, "Sorry if I sound like I'm gushing." <laughs> like, really? Okay. And it, like, he's he's laying on the butter thick, but yeah, it's interesting yeah. that he makes a note like, "I'm fanboying. I'm sorry." <laughs> and they're like, okay, no worries. Um, but one thing about Maury throughout this is that he never comes across in um, until later. Actually, there's a little bit, but in the, in these first few episodes, everyone likes him. Uh, he's never yeah. somebody that the characters view as quote unquote the bad guy. Like, well, and, we yeah, and they never seem uncomfortable. Well, and even as even him. as a listener, um, you know, we're 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 three. Well, room. we're three episodes in. Yeah, and there is stuff about him that feels uh, feels off, but he hasn't done anything yeah. bad. Yeah, 
Or like, uh-huh. I, I'm like, know. I don't trust him, but I also he hasn't done anything to make me distrust him. Now a I lot just... of that, a lot of that is the framing and the writers. <laughs> one, it could be that Maury really is somebody who should who you should mistrust, but also remember that the writers can persuade you to think th- certain things with the writing, and that there may be red herrings dropping all over the place here. Yeah, okay. this this is true. So mm-hmm. yeah, um, at this point. At this point, Maury, strangely, I'm imagining him as a very unprepossessing kid. And everybody likes him, but it's kind of like, oh, Maury. Maury is is the quiet, mousy. Yeah, I I picture him like. Not particularly. Kind of skinny, red hair, freckles. That's all really specific. Everybody likes Maury, but nobody really pays attention to Mori or takes him seriously or what have you. Does that make any sense? Like, yeah. Yeah. Hey Josh, that's actually my profile picture. Uh, Mori. Oh, that's Mori. That's, yep. Okay. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Really normal looking kid. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I thought it was a picture of you. I was like, wow, no, really normal looking guy. I Odyssey kid. I just didn't know it was Mori. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. So like, and probably his mannerism is very, just very soft, like his tone, the guy's, the actor's vocal quality is very good in, in his delivery of the lines is very soft spoken. Mm-hmm. And I'm just by his delivery, have a whole picture of even how Maury carries himself. Um, there's a testament to that guy's voice acting. Yeah. After talking with Maury, they go um, talk to Principal Vogler and Emily's the one who asks the question about the master key because she's observed that there's a keyhole. As well as the combination mm-hmm. lock. And he says, yes, yes, but there's um, only about uh, three. Yeah, yeah. So one of the things that I really loved about this episode and uh, that we talked about even as things were going on, it feels very classic mystery, very Sherlock Holmes or Agatha Christie type mm-hmm. mystery in that the characters are there, there's a bit of just stating the facts. Here's all the facts you need to know. Mm-hmm. Are you paying attention, listener? Because you could be figuring it out as you go. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, like, the principal's like, well, I have a key, and the janitor has a key, but we are the only people who do. The building is locked yeah. from this time to this time. Like, there's very specific and details they have, given. They have a security system on the... He just says the security system, doesn't he? He doesn't say specifically what it's on. I don't think so. Yeah, Mr. I think Mr. Redicop says the door. Yeah, Mr. Redicop is the one who, on. who qualifies what kind of security system they have. And then yes. the combinations. There is a master list of all the combinations, but the school secretary has it in the archives and even he doesn't know where it is in the archives because it's just apparently very disorganized. Um, <laughs> there, there was, a, there was a previous Jones and Parker mystery where they oh go into the archives, and it's, it's actually very neat, but there are a lot oh, of yeah. cabinets. Okay, so somebody yeah. like possibly the school secretary, who cataloged it all, knows yeah. where everything is, just nobody else does. Yes, she does. <laughs> so uh-huh. yeah, yeah, she claims in the in the previous episode she can find anything in ten seconds tops, and before Matthew can even start counting, she awesome. finds it. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> which is great. Like, if you are a super organized person and you have a photographic memory that way, that's awesome. And that's, like, the best way to, yeah, <laughs> you do that. So then he says the Odyssey police is going to monitor. I've asked the Odyssey police to monitor the school until we get to the bottom of this. And I've assured everybody that we are going to get to the bottom of this. Um, 
And then Emily makes the point. Was there anything stolen at this point? No. He said nobody's reported anything stolen. Nothing's been stolen. Emily is the person who says, I think something's going to happen again after they leave the principal's office. And he's like, why? Because she's saying she thinks that it was it was a message. The person opening all of the lockers is sending a message that they can that they can come and catch me. And it's they're specifically sending a message to Emily and Matthew, um, mm-hmm. which is very astute on her part. And this links obviously to the thing in the episode one where someone breaks into her into locker. Her locker. And, and didn't, puts didn't the she mention note in somebody? There. No, she doesn't mention somebody broke into her locker, does she? She said, "I got a note in my locker that you said you had to be there. Whoever put it in there somehow got the combination." Uh, she doesn't mention that in this episode, though. Right. Okay. Yeah. But, but it's, it's, it's obviously tied in. Yes. Yeah. Um. So. Yeah, it's funny. That's very astute of her. On the one hand, also, if you're not paying attention, you might think that's a bit arrogant of her because, <laughs> like. It doesn't all revolve doesn't around all revolve you, kid. Around you, Emily. <laughs> Except maybe it. Except does. maybe it does because well, it's yeah. Maury, and you guys have a detective agency that apparently everybody, quote unquote, knows about, mm-hmm. um, according to Maury. Which, which, by the way, this might be as good a time as any. So the name Maury Moriarty. is yeah, yes. pretty close to Moriarty. And it took you till the end of episode three to make that connection. Yeah, it did, <laughs> which is embarrassing. But I also wasn't thinking of him as a criminal mastermind until getting near the end of episode three. And I'm like... And then you're like, oh, Maury! <laughs> yeah, so... Yeah. Anyway. So that's just kind of yeah, a fun thing. Yeah. yeah. Um. So then, I think the next the next day, they're going to talk to Mr. Redekop. And, and Matthew the, the lockers is, are open again, by the way. The lockers are... Oh, that's right. Sorry. My my notes. That's fine. Um, The lockers are open again the next day. And as far as they know, nothing is... Still, nothing is stolen. And Emily is like, they're doing it again! And so they're going to go talk to Mr. Redekop. And, and uh, big Matthew plot point is... Here. Real, real quick. I'm okay. sorry. Before you get there. Uh, mm-hmm. Emily mentions, I think there are 300 lockers in the school. And if the mischief maker spent a minute opening each one, that would take five take hours. Five hours. Yeah. Right. This is important so it would take later when all we learn... Night. At, when we learn actually what happened, um, Ryan, I don't know if you heard him or not, when we were discussing Odyssey episodes. Did you hear that review? Those reviews? I don't know. Okay. Okay. Maybe. Well, no. Well, see, that we've... Like we said, we've not listened to any reviews of the Rydell episodes. Right. We did a review of the um, Love is in the Air and the Search for Wit and things like that. I don't know if you've heard. Yeah. I... We, the one that we listened to. It might have had with Ryan with was, it. Was um, the one with Zach. Uh, what is that called? Okay, uh, who wants cheesecake? Oh, yeah, that one. That one. Yeah, that was Ryan. That was Ryan. Yeah, it was Ryan. So anyway, when we talked about this episode, uh, we spent a really, well, when we talked about the, some of the final episodes and when this what happened actually happened in the key suspect is revealed we spent a very long time discussing the time frame of it all Um, so this line is important okay so it would take five hours to open all the lockers if they spent a minute on each one Mm -hmm. which would be if which would be what it would take if they actually had the combinations yeah if they had the combinations Mm -hmm. right which is important whereas with the key it would go faster it would go much still take some time yeah definitely i'm writing my notes 300 lockers. Okay. So they go. Matthew is chowing down on a carrot. <laughs> what, what? Is that a whole carrot or is that a baby carrot? 
I think he's got a. Uh, or did they? I, I think like it's. A, I, I think, think it's a whole yeah, carrot. Yeah, I just picture him chowing down on a whole Bugs like, Bunny style. Are you finished with that carrot? He's like, you didn't. You want us to skip lunch, so. <laughs> it, it made me smile. I'm like, wow, <laughs> okay. Um, well, and also the funny sound sound cue there. It's not <laughs> a crunching carrot. It's like he's eating a carrot cupcake, <laughs> and <laughs> he's like, I'm done. That, there was no crunching. Did you swallow it whole? What happened? Oh. Um, so anyway, fun note. They go to talk to Mr. Redekop, and Dion is talking to him. Hmm. And saying, so, when do you get off? Yeah. Or Seeming no, you get re- off about eight. Yeah, That's really, really shady. Like, he's trying to gauge when he can come back and yeah. break into lockers. Exactly. Or like, <laughs> wait, wait, wait a second. Yeah. And so, even then, though, I was like, all right, something's up because I don't think Dion would open up all the lockers. No, it, it well, and so at any rate, he has some motivation for knowing about the time frame yeah. of stuff. And is this around the time when they go and they discover the window? Well, yes, because first, like, it's not there yet because they we have a little um, bit to go. Yeah, we have a little bit to go. They they talk to um, Mr. Redicop after Dion leaves, and does, don't they have another? Like, Dion, what are you doing here? My own business. No, he just um, says, see you guys, I gotta go. Oh, see you guys, I gotta go. Oh, okay. And they're like, why was Dion here? Oh, he was asking about my cleanup schedule. No, okay, that's weird. And so then they ask Mr. Redicop about the security system, and he says, we have sensors on the doors and all the windows so that we know when they're open. I would also wonder, just this is a weird nitpick, aren't the kids meant to be in class? Like, what's they're, going on? This is lunch. They're on lunch. Okay, so that's what's established at the beginning. Of so the this must be a pretty special school where the kids are allowed to wander around during lunch break. Because and also, these are special kids. Yeah. I yeah, I guess. And so. this is Odyssey Middle, which apparently all the kids in Odyssey Middle are awesome, except maybe Dion. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah, it's funny that oh, I didn't even get like the earlier episodes. I did mention that. I feel like lots of the younger kids in the early episodes were all assuming that they're all Christian kids. Mm-hmm. As though Odyssey Middle, for example, is Odyssey Christian School. Um, That's a plot point. That is actually ooh. a plot point in the saga. Really? It, yep. Wait, in in the Mori saga? Yes. Yes. Oh, wow. Yeah, you, because you're pulling Odyssey things out of thin Middle... air here and getting it right. I'm so surprised. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> because it does feel the, the way, okay, the kids that we know in so far in the saga do feel like very good solid christian kids uh, that everybody or, treats as or, though they're or at least good kids yeah mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and the way that odyssey middle is spoken of even by emily for example feels like you know the school that everybody wants yeah um the school that every every admin puts down but, on paper this is what our school is well, like well, this, is. yeah and the school that every teacher would just be delighted to teach at these are good kids that i would want in my class yeah there's the bully yeah. kid but he's the minority there's not a crime mm-hmm. syndicate at the school or anything well, well even, even the, the even the bully kid, kid like, like he's he's he tame. Pr- pretty yeah, tame for, him, for the principal <laughs> to say how about i call your parents okay i'm sitting down josh josh never Never had kids. Oh, no. Yeah. like Ever. Yeah. The worst kids would would be like, yeah. He, like I said, he's pretty tame. Let's just put it that way. (laughs) Okay. okay. You had awful kids. Okay. Um, So, yeah. Anyway, that, yeah, it feels like Odyssey Christian School rather than a public school. Mm -hmm. 
So And there are a couple teachers yeah. there. There's an episode where there's a teacher who is talking about uh, bring your Bible to school day. And she says, you can do it, but it's very offensive to some people. So there are teachers who aren't Christians, but they all have good morals. Yeah. Okay. Huh. Mm-hmm. I didn't know Odyssey had a Odyssey Middle had a bring your Bible to school day. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That anyway. was, a, that was an episode huh. uh, back in 2016 or so. Okay. Uh, about the time this one came out, actually. Okay. And Dion was in oh, that one, too. So go figure. Cool. Anyway. Did Dion bring his Bible to school? No, he was no. he was talking to another kid who he thought was going to be his fellow bully, and that kid ended up bringing his Bible, and Dion was shocked. Disappointed. And disgusted and... Yeah. Like, how, how could you turn on <laughs> me like that? I didn't. <laughs> anyway. So, yeah. Okay, so um, they find out, okay, the, the, there are sensors on the windows and doors. And they can tell when they get open. And this kid, Maury, suggested that I set up a camera in the hallway at the last locker down there so we can see whoever comes in and out of this hall all night. This camera's going to be going. Which Which is an obvious setup uh, when he says, you know, look down this hall, especially because... That's the main hall. It's looking down the main hall. It's the main hall, and that's the hall that we see Dion going by on. Yeah, in Dion the security and Suzu camera? are on the camera. Yeah. Dion and Suzu? Yes. For, yeah, yeah, Suzu says we'll those two people there. would be Dion and myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's two people on there. And and the, the he had said the lockers and the, the, excuse me, the windows and the doors have not been opened according to the sensors. So they decide to take the rest of lunch. This is a long lunch break. And go through <laughs> which is what led, Which is what led me to like, don't these kids have classes? Yeah. <laughs> what did you have? Yeah, all the lockers, and then they find the back room that's like mostly used for storage. Apparently, none of the. I would be surprised if my locker is back in that room. I'd be like, seriously? I well, back the lockers are in the hallways. Like the yeah. lockers wouldn't be in the room. But, they, uh-huh. oh, but so like, they were even just like room. the storage rooms are left unlocked oh, yes. and <laughs> and stuff. But anyway, they were looking. They go. They poke room. around back there. Right, they and find. They find a window. Well, and actually, I'm to... the, the reason they're looking there in the first place is because Mister Redicott pulls out an envelope, and <gasps> the haiku. That's right. The envelope. Ha- there is a haiku. Yes. There is a haiku. Um, and it yes, had like the, this hint about the, the moon. Queen. They're the pale queen, patient, ever watching. She sees the pain yawn. Pain spelled P A N E. Did I get that right? Uh, they're the pale night queen, so patient, they're ever the, watching. She sees, so the pa- she sees the pain yawn. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So they figure it out. Emily, it's like the mischief maker is getting in through a window. Because um, the moon shines the, on yeah. the window pane. Yeah. If it is the mischief maker. Because Matthew's like, well, it might be just Dion. And she's like, this is way past Dion. Dion <laughs> would not be able to do this. Right. So they, and Matthew somehow knows that the uh, the moon has been in the west for the last few nights because so they start checking because he's very smart and so they start checking windows it's interesting like his i don't know he's very smart and it leans toward more mathematical as i'm thinking through this as yeah because he's, he's like math smart math and book smart, smart. And book, yeah yeah okay which makes sense as everything's tying together um so anyway they, they start checking windows on that side and then they find the storage area and there's a window open, and I'm trying to remember how how they figured out the security well, system. Well, they saw that the wire is, like, 
connected at two points. So that yeah. There's so no even if the window conflict. opens, it doesn't come disconnected. Okay. Okay. Because Redicop says that there are contact sensors on the doors and windows. So whoever tampered with the window uh, bridged the contact sensor. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So free. Okay. And and then they see Suzu, Suzu coming up outside the window. Mm-hmm. Yep. And do they and see her actually come in? She opens in the and closes the window. No, she just, she just she opens, just opens it. I'm guessing looks around and then closes it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're like, what's Suzu doing? And Matt's like, I don't think she would be. I don't think she's the mischief, mischief maker. And, she, and Emily's like, we're going to follow her. So, well, so and Emily also a, tries to pin the haiku on her. That's true. Like, so she's he, Japanese. Yeah, which is wow, such a such a stereotype. All but Japanese at the same time, people. she is the person who is most likely to have written a Japanese poem since she's literally from Japan. Well, true, but Matthew also makes the point that they had just studied haiku. Oh, true. Oh, true. Good point. Well, and and so another thing is like, I I feel like she. How can I say this? She would be more discreet. She wouldn't leave. She wouldn't write it because she knows that it would be obvious it would be pointing back to her, right? Well, oh, yeah. also, also, you know, if she's been the one using the window, of course she knows the window works. And, oh, like, to go up and open and yeah. close it in Why the middle she... of the day would make no sense at all. Unless uh-huh. she's conducting her own investigation and, like, oh, this well, is how... Which is made how... later, where she says, I was looking around and I found that the window was ajar or something. Like, it... Well, yeah, but, but Emily also does say in that scene she must have been checking to see if we found her way in. So maybe she was looking at the contact sensor itself, since it doesn't look like the alarms are active during the day. Or, or she like... knows that Maury's up to getting into the building. Uh-huh, Maury's up uh-huh. to no good. Yeah. And oh, is this how he's doing it? This must be how he's doing it. Yeah, uh, th- like this has layers, and it's and some stuff is talked hard, about later. Like she claims for sure. she was conducting her own investigation right when right. when she's talking to the principal and and then it's possible like judging by her conversation with maury that she's conducting this investigation because she thinks maury's up to something and she knows maury's up to something it is not outside the realm of possibility that she thinks that she was that she is actually doing what um emily thinks she is and checking to see if they found her entry point mm-hmm. based on what she says about um, Emily and Matthew. I don't think that she would be the sort of person to write the haiku and give it to them and then go look at the entry point because it feels it, too clean yeah, it's and too, too pat it's too and easy. too self um, incriminating yeah, because exactly. for her to write it, for her to write the haiku and then wait long enough that they they have actually found it out, and then go walk up there. It is quite possible that she could have seen them in there and walked up there. Like, why would you do that if you're the one that's opening all the lockers? So, and and just going back to the whole Moriarty archetype thing, part of what makes Moriarty a fun villain uh, with Sherlock Holmes is because he fancies himself this master criminal genius. And he's like, I would. It's all a game to him. Mm-hmm. I will pit my mind against yours, Mister Holmes. You've hit you know? like the biggest point of this saga. Just, and, just in your, and, your line, just there. Well, exactly, well, yeah. and that's what Maury feels like. Yeah, at least by the end of episode three, he likes to drop hints. He's like, Hey, I'm doing this thing. I'm going to drop 
like a little hint and see if you can figure it out. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes, let yes, me yes, let yes, me yes. like create all of and these things and watch you go. And can you actually do? And it's this? a soup. And that's what gives him his kicks. That's what makes him feel powerful and superior. Um. It's entertainment for him. That is all that is all brought up. And I will say this, that there are there is still another Mori episode that has not been released yet. And it will be oh, the really? next album. And hope I think it's going to explore more of his motivations. But there is an explanation given for Mori's motivations at the end. That's, that that's where is we different. aren't. Okay. More Mori. More Mori. <laughs> that's that's where we are now. Which probably we should get through the rest of this episode and next episode before we delve too far. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it, um, yeah. We but we can get into all all of that stuff later. In the meantime, Mori's motivations, I will I will hint, are very crucial to understand. And as the saga lays them out and explains them, I think is very is is partly the reason why we're going over this because that's well, the question I'm, of was Mori right? Right. And so yeah, as we, as we have been listening to these were like in some ways i'm trying to think of okay what is the controversy that's going on right now uh-huh it's brought um, out apparent in the next episode episode right, okay okay got it um so anyway they follow suzu to the hardware store where she buys stuff at the um locksmith counter and then she walks away and then then she comes out and then she walks away and matthew's like i don't want to follow her anymore and emily's and they, like well we can get her receipt in the garbage can yeah I don't really have and the they, heart to follow her i don't have the heart to follow her um, yeah and they look at the receipt and sure enough she's been buying stuff related to the locker like key blanks locks. a dial caliber a dial caliber and a an actual lock and he knows what a dial caliber is because of course he does and it's a good way of of <laughs> avoiding exposition in that emily doesn't know what a dial caliber is the audience doesn't know either so yeah Matthew, i, I, do I didn't know what it was yeah it's a detail measure oh, okay um so then they go it's apparent later that he's gone and and looked up information about okay what can you do with a dial caliber and all of these things because the next scene is them going to no no they follow her to Maury's house yeah and that's when that's it when was they like, figure out oh, that she's his sister yeah now here's now, something interesting that I never understood Emily says I think the pieces are starting to fit and it doesn't look good for your girlfriend um the pieces are starting to fit might make sense where oh I realize that Suzu is Maury's uh. Uh, Maury's Suzu's Maury's sister uh, by adoption somehow but when she says it doesn't look good for your girlfriend what does she mean by that yeah well, it sounds she, almost like she thinks Suzu did it but the way that the conversation well, plays the, out in the principal's office it feels she, yeah she thinks less Suzu, accusatory she thinks Suzu did it because she was the one buying the locky uh-huh. stuff uh-huh. Um, what does that but, have to do with Maury though like what does but she think does she, I'm not sure she, she, she thinks I, anything about Maury. Well, it, the way she phrases the sentence is, I think the pieces are starting to fit after she sees Maury and Suzu, and it doesn't look good for your girlfriend. It seems to be implying that because these pieces are fitting together, now it doesn't look good for Suzu. Does that make sense? I, th- I think so. So she's like, she thinks that, you think she is making a connection because Suzu is related to Maury, yeah. that somehow... That's bad for Suzu. Yeah, I think it was just a, a a slight mistake in the writing or a misdirect in the writing that yeah, it doesn't I, look good for Suzu because she's related to Mori. No, I think Emily just had the the prior assumption that Suzu was behind it, and now 
she one has it's been confirmed okay Seuss is related to Mori somehow and also oh I just realized oh that makes sense why Seuss is behind it not that she's connected to Mori but I was just thinking about the problem while we were walking and I just yeah that's, yeah I, th- I think it has nothing like to do with her her, her being related Mori to Mori because uh-huh. especially considering episode three they are not at this point viewing Mori with any kind of distrust right right they're actually they're really no. good they feel uh-huh. like they're they themselves feel like they are really yeah. good friends with yeah, yeah okay that makes sense. So, okay. How it's strange though because their conversation then in the principal's office for Emily feels a little less accusatory than what you might think at, given that she says it doesn't look good for your girlfriend. Yeah. And maybe it's just she's being civil. You know, a civil and a mature kid and and willing to be proven wrong. Yes. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and Suzu has good reasons for for being there. Yeah. And Suzu like And she yeah, has a great the, alibi too. And she does, and it's it's interesting. I really appreciated the way that the conversation in the principal's office goes down because everybody behaves behaves themselves well. So, yeah. so um, all, all that said, uh, you know, there's accusation of Dion stealing stuff from the lockers. Dion did it. Oh wait, wait, wait! Like how though? Suzu explains. Okay. In the they get Suzu in there, and. She's like, oh, I need to talk to you too. Come here, Dion. And Dion's like, hi, I don't need to be here. And the principal says, well, what if I call your parents? I'm sitting down. <laughs> well, okay. it's, it's more along the lines of, no, he says he'll call the, his parents later. Uh, but it's it's starting off, Dion, Dion says, I don't even know why I'm here. So maybe I should just go. And go. the principal says, sit down, Dion. Sit, sit down, sitting, sitting down. down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah that... and, and one way or another, I would say that his parents are going to need to be called. Oh, yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So Suzu is like, okay. Maury set up this, you saw this camera, and, like, the first thing they get out of the way is, like, no, Maury's not adopted, I'm, I'm the one who's adopted, um, and we're like, yes, yes, we, we know that, okay, and she says, so you caught us on the camera, and let me explain, that's me and Dion, and I got in through the window, which is how Dion got in, because I was conducting an investigation, I saw the window was the entry point, and I saw, I found Dion, opening the lockers with a master key. And I went and got all of that lock stuff previously to to demonstrate that you could make a master key in this way that Matthew has read, read an article about yeah. um, and explains. That, like she's like, she simply was series. trying to prove it could be done before, before accusing, accusing someone of doing someone it. Of doing it right. So she finds out that, okay, yes, I found Dion there and he's opening all the lockers and this time they had also actually that morning the, the lockers had been opened again and stuff had been pulled out. Yeah, they'd been ransacked. Yeah, it wasn't just the lockers are open. So Dion's like, and this, it's funny because this is sort of rolled over but Dion's like, hey I I just found a key in my locker with the smiley face on it. And, and they were and like... I didn't do it. I'm not this, I'm not the person. I just found this key and I you know, I tried it on a bunch of other things first, and I didn't know what it was for. Just out and, of curiosity. Every, yeah. And everyone just kind of accepts that. Like... Well, they don't even, they don't even ask, like... No, I think that... Hi, I think Principal well, Vogel is just it? rolling his eyes at Dion at this point. Yeah, it's it's just kind of glossed over. And he's like, did you steal anything, Dion? No. All right. Or, or how about I, how about I... Yeah, let's go look through your locker. And, through, no, okay, yeah. And no. Susie says, not true. I saw him say, take several things. Take several things. He's like, just... Not nice. <laughs> Not nice. Yeah. Well, and um, and the, sure enough, he's got some stolen goods in his locker. Yeah. And so what's yeah. what's really frustrating to me as a listener listening to through this is that 
uh, um, if I can jump ahead here, Emily then oh, says yeah, yeah, yeah. that Principal Vogler found the things in Dion's locker and he declared the case closed. And it seems like Emily's saying, well, we just went along with that. But it seems like Emily's hunch that she had in bringing up, uh, again, Principal Vogler saying, is your brother at school? Um, and Emily trying to suspect Suzu at the beginning and it things just don't add up. It seems weird that Emily just drops the case because I think Emily still suspects Suzu and Maury somehow. But again, that doesn't maybe does, she does the principal lets... ask Suzu is your brother at school? Yeah, yeah, and uh, that's where we get the line of your adopted brother. Oh, Maury's not adopted. I'm the adopted one. And then Suzu doesn't answer the question. But but uh, that's a, that's a weird question for Principal Vogler to ask. Yeah, I think that Emily goes to Principal Vogler and says, "Hey, I think Suzu and Maury are working together." And so that's Emily's theory. Suzu comes in and just says no 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 maury has nothing to do with this she says the locker incident has nothing to do with him Mm -hmm. um and you know maybe the the reason that she emily and matthew are okay around maury is that it's been uh what uh, a year and a half uh several albums at this point between parts two and and part three yeah because that's a long that's a long spell to be dry because they mentioned at the beginning that ever since that incident we've not had anything yeah as as someone who was actively listening to odyssey that was really hard (laughs) trying getting from part two to part three took a really long time and then well even story-wise that's a very long time for them to not have any cases yeah i feel like it's a bit too long for Uh maury's actions in episode three to make much sense though it's Mm -hmm. a year and a half yeah, well, the albums at this point are six-episode albums because they have the club and because the distribution format is uh, slightly different. So, right. yeah, uh, each album is basically half a year. Okay. So Got three it. albums later is half a year. Right, uh, year and a half. right. Right, but, like, for... I can understand definitely for a listener that that's very rough, but for the story logic, it feels like kind of a little too long of a gap. Uh-huh. Yeah, it, I don't it's, know. it's because a, I would it's think, a really like, weird after a year, style. It's a really weird strategy. I, Okay. But anyway. And anyway, suffice it to say, they, they still kept this desire alive. Yes. For a year and a half. Yes. Um, but we're getting ahead of ourselves because there's there's stuff at the end of this episode. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> so, so, yeah, the conversation yeah, that's strange. between and that, that Maury then and makes Suzu me wonder, is... is Emily now, does she really ex- suspect Maury? Yeah. Oh, I don't know yeah. now. So, uh, one other thing is I was listening to this again. I hadn't really listened to this episode again after... Uh, the final episodes of the saga and when i listened to it i realized um i had memor i pretty much memorized this episode memorized this last scene but every single one of these lines has an explanation and has some significance beyond what we know about it okay one more thing though about dion go ahead uh is that he is very very quick to just go along with yep i'm guilty I stole uh-huh. stuff. This yeah, was all he's me. Not, he's not protesting and protesting. Like, no, it wasn't me. It wasn't me. He does say as he's being dragged off, I tell you, it wasn't me. I, I didn't do it. Right. I, I, mean, I mean, I did do it. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I didn't do it, yeah. But but after that, it's just kind of dropped. Mm-hmm. Yes. Maury's, Everybody, it's all tied up okay, very cleanly. Also, Maury has a line, which is probably like halfway through the episode, where something, I, I'm going to flub the line, but it's something about, like, uh, people's lockers, the contents of their lockers can tell you a lot about a person. No, yeah, no, that, he doesn't say the, that. Susie says that. Oh, that's it. That, that no, end. he says, he actually does say it. I he thought says, Sus- people's secrets are, oh, no, no, Susie says Sus- a great deal can be learned by examining a person's possessions, yeah. don't you think? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Suzu says that at the that's, end. And that's the next scene. Yeah, that's the scene where, okay, where so, Suzu so, is so, like... Th- and that's where some of the most interesting stuff, obviously, comes up. Yeah, and this is uh-huh. where, you know, first time we're like, ha ah, ah, ha ah, this is, this is not... Yeah, this is when we started feeling deeply unsettled. Yeah, <laughs> Suzu's very much like... I don't even remember how the scene begins, but she she has that line. So Maury comes in and he says, "Great job, oh yeah, yeah, great job." He showed everybody how great of a de- uh, how good of a detective you are, and then she she brushes it off. Maury, why do you suppose someone would open lockers on three nights and only steal on the third? And he goes, um, "Beats me." Mm-hmm. And she's like, you know, seriously, she starts. She says, you know, a lot can be learned from going through people's possessions, don't you think? And maybe Dion has secrets. In so, his locker, and that's why he he did not protest his innocence. Yeah, so if Dion had made too much of a stink, then maybe he would be blackmailed about something. Something, and essentially she's, I mean, she comes right out and say, Maury, don't tell me you had anything to do with this. And he's like, okay, I won't tell you. And she's like, <laughs> ha, ha, ha. <laughs> um, Which is <laughs> a completely non-answer. Right, yeah, right, yeah. and she knows it, she knows it. Well, so, so also, okay, multiple things going on here. She may have had something to do with this stuff. I'm not sure she's as innocent as well, she uh, yeah, seems Well, yeah, as per our conversation, I am starting to wonder how, how innocent in all of this she is. I don't know now. But, but it's starting to get fuzzy. <laughs> um, so is there a way that, can, that she can be not innocent? Because if we take what she's saying at face value, it seems like, yes, she was just trying to investigate. But what is the alternative here? And this is really the big point. Yeah, the alternative is... I'm sorry, I don't mean to cut you off. Oh, no, go ahead. Um, I went through part one. I said, so who do you think did this? What do you think this was? And for this, it's really just the whodunit. So Mm -hmm. coming at it from uh, your perspective... Well, whodunit and why done it. Yeah, so... Like a way for her to not to be not innocent, in in a sense, she kind of she knows Maury well enough to probably at the first day think, oh, he's at it again, and so then she's going through. She's like, well, I have to do something on on the most innocent end of things, like in the most innocent spectrum. This is possibly the scenario. I have to do something. Let me go see what's going on, and so she starts doing the investigation and all of that, and then it ends up with Dion. But she's not she's not innocent in that she's letting Dion take the fall if she knows it's Maury, which she obviously does. Mm-hmm. Or she and Maury are both in cahoots. And still she's saying, she has this, like, I want to do what is right for our friends. I don't want stuff to go down like it did last time. Oh, okay, right, which w- okay, which leads to several questions. We've talked about the lack of parental involvement. Do you ever before. meet Maury's parents? Yes, you do. Okay, okay. okay. so yes. so it, which that might wind up being important later yeah, yeah. because okay, because later. this feels almost like did they have to leave their previous school or previous life because of, because of junk answer. that Maury was doing? Yeah, possibly. Um, maybe, maybe yeah. not. Uh, it's it's implied almost it. They leave you it kind of feels it kind of feels like that, she says that, that, that that might have happened um so there's a weird like sorry you had more questions keep going well another thought that I had was so the first time all the lockers were open to show that it could be done mm-hmm. essentially 
Uh, and the last time you have, you know, multiple times you have lockers opened. Last time you have multiple things ransacked and stuff stolen and whatever. Mm-hmm. My theory is that whoever is opening the lockers, we'll say Mori for now, uh, is opening them all, but he doesn't really care about all of them. There are a handful of... There are specific of, ones. Yeah, there are specific ones that he is gathering information from... Yes. Uh, that he will use later, and he's opening yes. all of them just to just distract to from off. all yes. of the rest of them. Yes, yes, yes. In yes. the same way that the theft, it. it was about distraction as well. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't and care then about Maybe stuff. he didn't even, probably he didn't even go the third night because he put the key in Dion's locker. Well, um, except that all of them are open. Would Dion have opened well, all of them to steal from a couple of them? Okay, so the only... The only reason that I would have said that he didn't go and Dion opened all of them is that Suzu says she saw him open all of them. And because it's on the camera that Dion and Suzu is, are the are only there, ones. Are the only ones there. So, potentially... Did Su- okay, did Suzu make Dion open more of them? Well, I... Okay. Nothing Which that, that doesn't make a lot of sense. That. Nothing that Dion says no. implies that. Nothing that Especially Dion says Especially because impl- Suzu says to Mori, well, I mean, this could go either way. Suzu could be saying perhaps the secret is what kept Dion from protesting that he was accused unjustly. She could be saying, Mori, did you blackmail Dion? Or she could be saying, Mori, I blackmailed Dion. I can blackmail you too. Oh, that's a, ooh. ooh. I did not read a thread in her, er, but wow, maybe. Yeah, that, ooh. Mm-hmm. Well, then Just that's the, the question, like, are they going to be pitted against each other? Like, is, are their antics against each other? Just like the last episode. Yeah, with Olivia and Matthew. Hmm. Okay, that's a new thought. Huh. So, well, yeah, but that kind of, hmm, I don't know. Because this conversation sounds almost like she's trying to protect Maury. Because she kind of says, hey, don't let things go down like they did before. Uh-huh. Right, right. And he's like, oh, no, well, you, and you could, know, it's all cool. It's all fine. And some of it could be also the, hey, Maury, I took the fall for you this time. I blackmailed Dion. I took care of it. Don't let mm-hmm. things go down the way that, that they did before. Okay? Mm-hmm. Um, in a very sweet kind of passive aggressive, because this is all framed in questions. And this is all framed, yes, quote, yes. as though she doesn't know. She's almost like waiting for him to confirm, Right. And right? he doesn't. And he doesn't. And she even says, like, don't tell me. But but it's all this undercurrent of, yes, I know. I know all of this, and I've covered for you. Because even then, because here's yeah. a question, too. Did Dion know she was there? Because they're both on camera. And she's like, oh, no, that's me and Dion. And Dion doesn't say anything about, oh, you were there. So Yeah, I would assume be, that he knew. She shows up, and she's like, okay, we're going to, this is how it's going to go down. So maybe she did make him open all the lockers. Because she's covering for Mori, because Mori, like, just set up Dion. And this is a thing we've talked about, that he just sets things up and watched people scramble. And that's how he gets his kicks and giggles. Mm-hmm. So now we're moving along the spectrum of how innocent is Suzu. So we started off, she's completely innocent. Mm-hmm. Then we're moving on to she's partially innocent. She wasn't the one behind it, but... Mori was the one behind it, and now but she's, she's doing she's somehow actions to covering out. for him. Yeah. Maybe that's a possibility yeah. too. So if we keep moving down the line, where do we get on the spectrum then? What is well, the next uh, you know the the weirdest thing, and I don't think there's any evidence that I've seen for this yet, is that she's the bad guy, and Mori is actually working behind the scenes to 
to cover to up. cover her. Although honestly, like like I said before, bad guy is even a strong term yeah. uh-huh. for what but I've seen so far. Yeah, it's say. more mischief and mayhem than it is anything well, actual the nefarious. Of this is that we have we have all of that. You could you could potentially spin this episode as she's the one that's opening all the lockers and doing all of that, and Maury is the one who like set them the haiku and is trying to. Trying to, trying to lead them to, to lead her. them to her, and she's covering her tracks by running her own investigation and then blackmailing Dion, and then going and talking to Maury. But, like, what and she like, says and, about... And, and the whole, like, don't let things happen like they did before. Maybe, like, stay out of my business, Maury. Yeah, the let only, me, let the me only do my difficulty thing. of that one is a lot can be learned from going through people's possessions feels almost like an implication to Maury, because why would she talk about what she's doing with the lockers. Again, it's a threat. Maybe she oh, I know about Maury. Maybe or, or or she's or she yeah, I feel like she already knows stuff closet. about Maury. <laughs> true, true. Yeah, or where she could be I think it's to both I think it's them. more implying that you've been snooping Maury. It feels more natural uh-huh. from that because okay. because if they want to snoop with each other, they'd be going through each other's rooms. Right. More than each other's lockers, but the only access to other people's personal property that they have, that don't live in their house, is in the locker. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Um, and as I said, you can spin this episode as Suzu is the mischief maker, but um, I don't think I there's enough evidence. Hard. There's for not enough that. evidence yet because then she doesn't show up at all in episode three, and it's all Mori doing. The pulling the, the strings pulling and the strings. being puppet master. So, and I'm. This is all stuff just based on what we're what we've heard. We've only heard three episodes. So there's more. Mori is in more episodes, doing potentially more things than Suzu is right now. And that might change as we listen. It to might. More. It might. It does. It okay. Does. Okay. Um. Well, and as you said before, the writers didn't know they where they were going exactly when they started this. Correct. So mm-hmm. maybe they but thought the, the it ending was going does to be wrap up. The, well, 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 yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I basically said the same thing you just said. Go ahead. Yeah. Maybe they thought they were doing one thing and they decided to do something else later. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because by this, this episode two, they still don't know exactly where they're going with Maury's. Or... Well, the writer of this episode, Bob Hoos, uh, kind of has an idea. And the writer of the final episode, Phil Lawler, did consult with Bob Hoos and the rest of the team on it. And they came to uh, whatever conclusion that does line up with all the facts. All the facts do line up. There's nothing in the end that contradicts any of the other episodes. And I like that about it. Um, Mm -hmm. So the the framework is here, but it's one of multiple possibilities. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Mm -hmm. Okay, so... With with that said, let's move on to episode three. Unless you had yeah. more to say about episode, about episode two. two, I don't. I don't think so. I think we basically covered everything. It's really the final scene that that comes down to it. Yeah. And um, again, every line is significant. Every line will be discussed later. Mm-hmm. And um, that was the we got to the end of that episode. I was like, quick, quick, put on the next one. And, then we and have the to next put one. The, boy to bed. Uh, the next one, really. Um, I I'll say this now, just to make sure we don't get too far ahead. There was a lot that I had to think about. 
hey, maybe all of this stuff about intrigue and spies could tie into Mori's family. Like, maybe Suzu was the adopted daughter whose mother was killed in action and stuff. No, th- that, that actually, it actually no. doesn't, that, that was a wild theory that I had. No, no, the actual body of this doesn't have anything to do with uh, any of the underlying plot. Yeah, I kind of, I kind of got the vibe that the body of this didn't have anything to do with anything. It's so, just, so we'll kind of, we'll kind of skip through a yeah, lot of yeah. it. That's fine. Uh, and, and, uh, for the sake of our say, discussion, as a as a review of these episodes, I did say before we <laughs> recorded this that yeah, well, not not necessarily nitpicks, but more just like plot in general rather than overall. This was a good episode, but I think that they. They didn't do as well in the theme in this aspect. It's not like a review as we would normally do a review. So Mm -hmm. uh, briefly, my thoughts on part two are I really like it. I I think a lot of it works out. I don't think the music is the best that Odyssey has done before, but it's okay. It fit Um, fine. It was was very like, I could tell they were playing on those old black and white film noir type ideas. Yeah, Yeah, there were moments Uh I was kind of like, but yeah, most of the time it, it melded fine. It was okay. But then my biggie about part three here is that I didn't like the twist. It felt like I was paying way too close attention to the mystery to all of a sudden be bombarded with a huge amount of info in the penultimate scene, or mm-hmm. the, the third to last scene, rather. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, nope, all of that is fake. That well, was just even, way too much. Even in the big reveal, I felt like the the teacher, the woman, Maggie, the quote-unquote Maggie, was taking it all too nonchalantly. Yeah, no, she's just whoa. This yeah, so, it was it was one one thing after another. I'm like this revelation after revelation after revelation, and she's like, "Oh, cool, keep reading. Oh, cool, <laughs> keep reading." I'm like, "No, no, you need to stop and process." For so a yeah, just <laughs> just to cover the plot uh, oh, yeah. real quick, it's about a supposed lost novel by this mystery author who's clearly an Agatha Christie stand-in. Yes. Well, yeah, it's like they Mary Malloway, they took Mary Malloway and Anne West, and they, they sort of made them both Agatha Christie-esque, because Agatha Christie does have a period of time that is unaccounted for, where she went missing, and she doesn't, she supposedly doesn't know where she went. Um, And that, that was attributed to Anne West, that she had 11 days where she didn't know where she went. And there's the book that Emily is reading by Mary Malloway, Scandal mm-hmm. on the Trans-Siberian. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. clearly right Murder on the Orient Express. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so there's, it's this lost book she'd she not, that Maury gives them. Or Maury, they um, run into Maury. Yeah, like. Who is uh-huh. researching the Enigma machine. And so, I find it really weird that Emily, they, they bump into each other, presumably in the middle of the library. Emily finds the book in the pile. Yeah, they're all they're all talking. Well, in the middle of the library, <laughs> they're all talking to each other, and Emily finds the book and she says, "Oh wait, where did this book come from?" And she doesn't bother to question, "Maury, were you carrying this book?" Because obviously, I wasn't. Yeah, like is this so yours, it's like, Maury? It's, it's, it's like, so oh my gosh, but... he planted it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, also the whole assumption: this is a lost novel. This is a piece of literary history. They find it in their middle school library. No, well, that's I think it's the says. public that's library, why. I think. But e- yeah, it, it is. But e- it's why either it's way, it would place. just yeah, make no sense. I was like, what? Are, are you sure you're not jumping to conclusions? Well, and even as she's looking, I was interested. She's like, it was published in 1975. Maybe it was self-published. Let's let's pause for a second here. Self-published books in 1975 would not have looked like a professionally done book. Yeah. Like, mm. I even don't know now. that you... I, 
most might self, have been spiral-bound. I don't know. But the way that she describes the book looks like a typical mystery of the other books that she's been reading. And if it's yeah. self-published, that's not it's not going to look like that. Yeah, it might not even have like, a photo of, of her on the back. I don't know. Yeah, this is her picture on the back. That's what... That's what yeah. Emily says. And then Maury says, oh, there's another book here by Mallory. It must be yours. And Emily says, no, it's not mine. And it's the conversation of, oh, hey, it's just another book. It looks normal. Yeah, it looks like a normal. It wouldn't look like a normal book if it was self-published in the 1970s. Yeah. Um, and So there are a ton of plot holes. Yeah. But, but intentionally, it, it's not supposed to be solid. Well, right. because it, as we, you already mentioned, it all turns out to be a hoax. Yeah, yeah. It, it is a hoax. So... Yeah, it's funny, the plot holes, and even, we, we were still talking about this this morning, like, okay, what if, because she goes, she's trying to find out where it came from, and there's a donor number, and she can't find the donor, she knows the um, the board secretary, the library board secretary, Mr. Whitaker. Hey! Yay, we get to hear Mr. Whitaker. How many Mr. Whitakers is this? Uh, this is the third Mr. Whitaker. Okay, I, I said I said there Whitaker. must be a this must be the third or fourth was my guess. Okay, so. because I remember the second Mr. Whitaker. Yeah, mm-hmm. came in the search for wit. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Cool. He's he's very good still. He he. Yeah. Sounds, he, he sounds very like different. Wit. He's very he, he's different. A, he's a different personality of wit. He's the wit that doesn't really get angry very often. And but has he's, a hard time getting angry. But he sounds like Hal Smith, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. which is great. Yeah, and he also, funny. I think he played Owl on some Winnie the Pooh episodes, too. Oh, he also that's played Owl. strange and ironic uh-huh. because Hal Smith did as well. In yeah. the original, exactly. That's, that's, that's wild that's and fun. awesome. <laughs> uh-huh. Cool. I'm trying to remember because, like, Wit, the original Hal, Hal Smith's Wit could get angry. Yes, and very often did get angry. The episode yeah. with Monty, uh, in particular, oh, yeah. I'm thinking of. Uh-huh. Yeah, although he handled, I, I would get more angry with Monty. He drove me then bonkers. Wednesday. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we <laughs> talked about that then. Um, oh, have you already recorded that one? We have not yet. Not. Oh, oh no, no, no. With Monty. Okay, I was, I was thinking Danny. I'm sorry. No, with Monty, his grandson. With Danny. With. Oh my God, Davy. Sorry. Davy Holcomb. Yeah. Davy yeah. Holcomb. Yeah. Anyway, moving yeah, on. Yeah, we're way this off worker. track here. Yes. <laughs> wow. Um, so we were talking about Wit's voice. What? Wit's voice. Bit. And he looks up and he can't, he needs the, the name of the book and she can't find it. And she's really distraught that she can't find it. And instead she has a book about the Enigma machine. Which, let, let me take a second to pause here with uh, Maury reading a book about the Enigma machine. It's so great because Maury seems so like the sort of guy who's... an enigma. Yeah. Yeah. And he seems like he's a guy who would be obsessed with codes and yeah. with puzzles and riddles. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we talked about Moriarty. Um, I also mentioned he, I'm a big Batman fan. He feels like uh-huh. the Riddler. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. 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 Let's play a game here. My wit's against yours and I'm the smartest man in the room at all times. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. So, oh. Yeah, let's let's quick run through the plot and then we can talk about more specific things. So sure. like, oh, I can run through the plot if you want. Yeah, that do might that. be easier because we'll we'll keep interrupting ourselves. Okay. So go ahead. Okay. So basically, Emily uh, remembers the donor code, which is great, and she tells that to Wit. Wit looks it up. There's not a lot of information, but it points them back to the Fergus estate. So meanwhile, um, Matthew is going to. Oh, and by the way, Wit brings up a thing about secrets that yes. will tie into the overall um, narrative later. Well, on. and which also maybe about. the overall theme it, this yes. this felt like it was 
beginning to develop a theme. Yeah. And of well, course, Wit being the, the fount of wisdom that mm-hmm. he is, um, has good things to say about secrets can be dangerous oh, or they oh. can be helpful. Yeah. I just noticed this. I, I am so surprised why I did not pick up on this before. Really? That Wit's, what Wit says to Emily directly ties into what Wit says at the end. I feel well, like that's at the end of the episode. Well, especially at the yeah. end of the episode. It yeah, felt no, like it, this, felt, this it felt like it died like, in. Like, Wit says there are good reasons for keeping secrets, but mm-hmm. Maury's secret feels unsettling. Yep. Yeah, yeah. and 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 that and that yeah, there there can be you can keep a secret to help someone, but you can keep a secret to hurt someone. Yeah, and God's um, concerned with how secrets are used to he- either to hurt yes. or to help people. Uh-huh. And um, this this extremely ties into the final episode of the saga in a very well, yeah, significant way. It, that it that doesn't like surprise it, yeah. me. Like I said, uh-huh. this felt like a for lack of a better term, thesis statement. Like, he's developing a theme here. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. uh-huh. Yeah. Anyway, so Matthew is talking to Eugene. We get Eugene there, and Eugene just, instead of uh, Matthew going to access the computers because they're on the fritz, Eugene rattles off all the information about Anne West you could possibly want to know. Like and, Mr. Uh, they go back and forth, back and forth. Eventually, they find out that Maggie Fredericks is the magpie that was mentioned in the inscription, mm-hmm. which was written inside of the the fake Writer's Ruse book, and they get to, they go back to Wit, which says Maggie Fredericks is still alive. They go to find her. She has a photo album, uh, pictures with meaning behind them, which was mentioned in the inscription. They read through it, and there's a bunch of malarkey about how uh, her mother was a spy. And, yeah, and they turn the pictures and over, and they read all this stuff. And, and like, yeah. even that story, if keep you think reading, about please. it, doesn't line up. Yeah, and she's like, oh, keep reading. Oh, keep reading. Yeah, <laughs> it just it was weird. Yeah, and then, and then, um, Emily and Matthew basically call Malarkey and list plot hole, plot hole, plot hole. What's really going on here? And then everybody steps out of the shadows. Yeah, Wit and Eugene, and they're like, "Hey, yeah." So and is Maury there in that scene? Yeah, yeah, they he's call there. Him he out. And he comes out. Like, hey, hey, we created a mystery for so you. Hope you, you guys, had fun. Yeah, so that you guys had fun and all of that. So, <sighs> so, so uh, okay. Here's a here's a weird thought because. In one sense, this feels like exactly the sort of thing Mr. Whitaker could would do. In another sense, it didn't. Like, yeah, which we all about fun about, and like, games. Right after that scene, but but usually he would do something like this for a teaching purpose. He would use it as a teachable moment. Whereas here, it's like, nope, it was all a joke, and, and again, and because Maury brought the idea in the first place. Yeah, it was Maury's yeah. idea initially. It was to help you guys feel better, and like. Fortunately, Eugene made, had said he would only do it if we told them the truth at the end, which I appreciate that because what would not have gone on, gotten along with it if they were not going to explain everything at the end. But still, it felt weird that he went on with it anyway, mm-hmm. and it's it's almost inexplicable because it doesn't teach them anything. But at the same time, it's not Whit, harmful. Whit doesn't, it's not harmful, and what is always about teaching things yeah and i think this itself i think this itself is fun the the means there's suffice it to say there's a lot there's a a gigantic portion of this saga is do the means justify the end or do the ends justify the means and in this instance the ends are fine and the means are also fine yeah it's it's harmless good times well are are the ends fine because the ends are to make them feel better if that's the true end is well, it well, really? Well, maybe, maybe. But but, if we're but, going do, by that, but do they actually feel better? Like they've been given yeah. a fake mystery to solve, and they. <laughs> I as a well, listener okay. don't feel better. Yeah, I, no, but they I, do. no, they but do. they did because remember Matthew's, Thank you, Maury. It was Matthew's great very telling. Matthew's very telling comment. I never feel more alive than when I am solving cases with Emily. 
Wow. Uh-huh. Okay. So mm-hmm. on the one hand, ooh, warm fuzzies, that's sweet. On the other, do what? Do they stop and think about what you just said? You like her. <laughs> uh, Obviously, nope. he would say no, 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 no. But it's the sort of thing I hear a kid say that, and I'm like, oh, just wait ten years. Oh, <laughs> that is really cute. Now that you think about it, <laughs> yeah. So, like, they're not even thinking about it right now. But I'm like, hey, no. if you have this much chemistry now, just give us some time. Uh-huh. Um. So anyway, but yeah, at at the same time, it felt a little a little hallmarky. Yeah. Um, like, would a kid actually say that? I don't know. I don't. I don't know. It's heightened reality. It's obviously. Yeah, it's not the real world. Reality. Yeah. But the background yeah, of this cute. episode is that was it was originally a two-parter, and it was condensed dramatically, drastically into a one-part episode. So maybe that line had was a little bit more fleshed out in the two-parter. Oh, maybe, maybe. Or said differently, or something. Maybe. Um. But anyway, so yeah. there's the big reveal, and everyone's hunky dory, and this was a good time. And then we get into. Well, Maury gives Emily the writer's Ruth book. That's yeah, oh, he gives it. Okay, so here's a question because he's like his his line. I had to take it back so that you wouldn't be flipping through it. Did he create this book? Yeah, and did he actually I, I, write I the, so. write a story? What What are the rest of the pages? Are they blank? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's just and the how, warm ipsum text or something. Or maybe and how could he? Have <laughs> In which case, she from, should have no, noticed. Yeah, that. like how much did she actually look through the book when she initially had it? Because if it's if it's one of her favorite author's books, like and it's a lost classic, it and you start know. reading. You know, yeah. we just stopped but, at the inscription. But also, yeah, Maury says you would have realized very quickly it wasn't a Malloway. Yeah, yeah. So. It, yeah, it may just be Laura Mipson. Just, just a quick thing. Was there anything in this episode that was given to them in an envelope? Um, no. Okay. Okay. Because that no, was why? the thing with the first two episodes. I couldn't remember. Well, if that was well also, just the fact that there is a message. And there is a message in this episode. Yeah, it's the inscription, right? Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, That's it's... huge later. Okay. That, that is a big plot point later. And, wh- and what's, what's the, the, what's the, the inscription, inscription again? My darling magpie. Well, the, actually, the the text of the description, the inscription, isn't actually significant. Just okay. the fact that the inscription exists is the significant part. Okay. Is it the handwriting that's significant about it? I'm not going to tell you that. Okay. Well, that's my guess. <laughs> well, yeah. Oh, ooh, strange thing that they wouldn't, that they didn't talk about, but uh-huh. may have been a plot, may have been something that they're going to remember later. Is okay. So you have the handwritten inscription, and then they're reading all of the text on the backs of the. Uh, pictures yeah the the kids are so the kids have the opportunity to say hang on the handwriting's different because oh yeah i don't think maury wrote the text on the back of the pictures did he well, he, he might have who knows okay i couldn't remember because they were talking about connie took the pictures yeah and connie there's multiple the other yeah. yeah the multiple everybody was doing different things lots so of people involved. which, which by the way this is the, the this Sorry. is the only time Connie's ever mentioned in this saga. Hmm. Huh. Okay. Just I'm sorry to interrupt, but I just, oh, I just okay. thought of that. That's okay. Um, minor note about Eugene, because we were talking about this later, about things that, that Maury did throughout the whole thing. Could it be that he even sabotaged the library computers? Huh. Because Eugene had to, because it would have been immediately apparent when Matthew tried to look up Ann West that Ann West doesn't exist. 
But he tried. The computers are down, so and they go to Eugene. Eugene. Eugene, who behaves like Mr. Nosemore from the second Wreck-It Ralph. <laughs> like, mm, how <laughs> yeah, that guy. La, 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 la. I know all of this stuff. <laughs> and um, Wes, search. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that, that was a thought I had this morning. Like, hmm. Yeah, well, it, that it would mean that Maury had some... Then this was this is a theory. If Mori has uh, an end game, is that the end game? Is there something in the library that he needs? Okay. Maybe, but but if not, I think that he just went to Eugene and enlisted Eugene's help to shut down the computers temporarily. Well, in, okay. in one way or another, Mori, yeah. because he's able to get uh, this lady involved, I can't remember what her well, name I'm is. Well, I'm wondering even. if he got and Mr. Whitaker and Eugene. My thought is that he got Wit and Eugene involved, and because Wit knew Eden Hope, he's like, oh, I know somebody we can get to be this person. Because maybe Maury asked him, he's like, I don't know anybody who could do this, and it was like, oh, I do, it's fine. He, yeah. Yeah, either way, Maury has pretty deep powers of persuasion yeah. to get multiple... Adults Adult. to work with Smart him on adults. what is essentially an elaborate practical joke. An elaborate practical joke with like good intent. Yeah, it's, it's not, not like it's not a mean that. practical joke, but it still is an elaborate prank more yeah. than anything else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um also we have yet another career that that um, Mr. Whitaker has done. And middle school. Oh yeah, teacher. A librarian. Or yeah. a teacher, yeah. Well, we, we knew he was a teacher from his episodes with... Um, well, there were a lot of other episodes where it was mentioned he was a teacher. I don't know okay. if that was specifically in this one, but yeah, yeah. This was um, this has been mentioned a bunch of times on the show at this point. Okay. Maybe those are episodes we did not Yeah, probably, but to. yes. Yeah, yeah. He, he's, he's been a teacher, too. Yeah. Yeah. Goodness. Okay. Um, so, yeah, those are many things. And then we get to... Oof. And then well, we have so Emily says no one can uncover secrets like Jones and Parker, mm-hmm. or Matthew says that, and then transition to the final two scenes. Yeah, and the yeah. final two scenes are the really interesting ones, obviously for our purposes. Yes. So there's the one that's Maury, and I can't even remember if it's it's kind of a Maury he's monologue, typing. isn't it? Yes. He's typing. he's typing. And so he's like, I have to say, was they bit, were good. They were good. It was a risk to show them a page my, in my playbook. A plate? like that. Okay, and I'm like, what, 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 what does this mean? Because is his is he meaning a literal playbook? Like, is the book the the book the May West and West? <laughs> May West. Or is May he West. like not May West? <laughs> Why don't you come up here I and see me okay. sometime? <laughs> it's it's more likely that it is a figurative playbook. Okay. Yeah. And somehow he's given them, and I'm still piecing through this. Like, how how did he? show his hand to them well he showed them that he likes to play games basically well, boom, with people's minds boom, okay boom boom okay. that is it that is yeah. exactly it he did it, yeah he did. yeah because like, he can he orchestrated this whole thing as a big giant game yeah that so, so they're so, like oh cool this was fun he's revealed himself yeah. as you know as the riddler master. yeah, yeah. And as a puppet master and and so he's like, I just wanted to see if they could keep up, which obviously they couldn't. I couldn't expect anybody in so this So what town. was that? What What does that mean? Can they, they keep, up, keep with up with me? Yeah, they figured out that it was all fake. So so they did keep up. They did keep up with that, but what Are else? They... What else could he have been trying to see if they would keep up with him? What What other reaction would have resulted in Maury saying, "Well, you did keep up with me"? Like, what could have Emily have pieced together? 
I have no Another idea. Another game we were just talking about. The Wait, lockers? what? Possibly. Yeah, but the lockers weren't going on with this episode. No, well, the lockers were previously, and Emily left that episode saying we couldn't solve it. And so, again, remember what Emily says in the locker mystery. Maybe the mischief maker thinks we're moving too slowly. He might give us a clue to push us in the right direction. Right. So if they had figured it out, like, initially without... Or, okay, so the clue he gave them was, hey, guys, I'm a manipulator and a puppet master. That Uh could have been intended as a clue to push them toward maybe he's the guy behind the lockers. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that's what he's talking about here. Well, because Emily, Emily is the... The locker episode, she's a the her first reaction is somebody is doing this to show us that they can try and catch me. So she's onto this idea, but then when she when he shows his hand as I'm a puppet master and I like to play games, she then doesn't make the connection. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you have a good point there. Where it's like, yeah, he could have expected them to figure out the lockers. Right. Right. Okay. Also, the whole, like, oh, and obviously they couldn't, is classic supervillain speak. Uh-huh. That's, that's Lex Luthor there, too. It, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, literally every supervillain ever, you know, <laughs> who's like, I am the smartest. And I, I'm a little disappointed in the hero because he just can't follow me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's very classic. So... Yeah. Which that's... that's where he feels truly nefarious. Like, it was, mm-hmm. he felt somewhat nefarious when he's being confronted by uh, Suzu at the end of the previous ep- episode. This one, I'm like, man, he still hasn't done anything really bad, but boy, I don't trust this kid. <laughs> like, I do not trust him. Yeah. I'm an adult and I don't trust him. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Ugh. Well, and some of it Which is, is because confirmed. he gets his kicks and giggles from being the puppet master and manipulating everybody, and he's so good at it, as this episode demonstrates. It's like, what what is he going to do now? Yeah, yeah. I mean, everything has been very innocent, but I don't trust him. Yeah, yeah. No one should have that kind of power. Yeah. And the and, next three episodes will detail exactly what he does next. This is why I'm breaking them up this way. That the first three are the setup. The next three are the action, the rising action. And then the last three are the fallout. Well, okay. and, and and Wit's prayer at the end of this episode. So going is on the to most the controversial scene. part of the saga. I'm, I'm sorry. I don't mean to cut you off again. But again, oh, really? this is like there are two big parts of the saga. One is... A conversation Wit has with the characters at the end of the saga, and this conversation right here is huge. Which prayer? Huge. The prayer? Yeah, I can't say a lot about it, but just to let you know this is a big thing. So pay attention to what Wit says here. Okay. So Wit doesn't trust more. Wit doesn't They're, trust Mori no. either, which he actually doesn't... was encouraging to us because we're already saying Wit should not trust Mori. He's too smart for that. So this uh-huh. confirms it that he doesn't. But he also doesn't have anything concrete, which we don't either. Yeah. Or at least it seems like he doesn't have anything concrete. Yeah. And this prayer feels like a very real prayer that someone would pray if they are unsure and they're worried and and looking for guidance. I mean, how many times have, have we prayed, like, we have no idea what we're doing and we don't know what to do. Please make it clear. Yes. So, so I'm, I don't know. I guess I'm confused about what the controversy is. I'm confused about what the controversy is because it feels very mm-hmm. straightforward. It, it is very straightforward. It's extremely straightforward. In fact, it's the main indication we get that Mori 
has something nefarious, isn't it? I would well, say so. Well, yes, but actually his, I don't know, I found his little monologue nefarious. Also, he's well, typing. Is he writing in a journal or is he actually typing to somebody? Is he? Yeah, is he writing an email? Is he blogging? Like, what's going on here? Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? So but, that part, um, that part was an indicator to me. Something's going on. I don't trust him. Also, the voice actor's delivery is so yes. creepy. Is very creepy. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. So it's Absolutely. not just wits. I mean, and initially, and maybe because we're going into this knowing that it's all about Maury, and that he orchestrated this whole thing, it feels very weird for him to have orchestrated all of this and gotten the the adults in on it, especially in light of episode two, the locker episode. And how that ended. So which we are not. It's not confirmed. It's not confirmed. Yeah, it's not confirmed that he was behind it. But it feels but like he was. It feels. Yes. Yeah, it feels. The gut and at least to us at this point, it feels like he was. It feels like he was. I am willing to be proven otherwise. I'm not going to die on that hill. But it feels <laughs> like he was. And so, going into this episode, when we find out that he has orchestrated everything, then it it feels weird and unsettling so i well, would i would argue that wit's prayer is not the first time that you know he's up to something nefarious or that you you are led to believe so he's up to something nefarious oh, okay but another thing is that you know with the, do you mind if i jump in here yeah, yeah. Uh, another thing is that it could just be that the writers are framing Mori to seem nefarious. And, you know, just because he sounds uh, mischievous, you know, if he said those words in a very different way, then that might mean that he wasn't nefarious. He was actually benevolent in that way. And, and there are a couple lines that he says that can be interpreted in different ways. But with Wit, we trust Wit, don't we? And we trust mm-hmm. Wit's spiritual instinct, don't mm-hmm. we? Yes. And That's what... my point in that oh, that is our so concrete... I think what we fall back on. I think I am starting to see where the controversy is arising from. What did Wit say about secrets? Yeah, I'm not giving you, I'm trying not to give you too much, but. Can I just spell out what I think the controversy is? Yes. Okay. So I feel like, and and some of this is from what you mentioned on our first review episode of episode three of the whole series, (laughs) is that people are, are, people are angry that, the producers seem to be framing the stories in such a way to lead you to believe that Maury's doing things, nefarious things. And they're having Wit be uncomfortable and be nervous and be praying for guidance because he thinks something's off and not right. So then we automatically believe, oh, he's up to something because we trust that Wit wouldn't actually misconstrue something. Wit is Dumbledore. Because, who always mm-hmm. does yeah. this for the right reason in this ever wise way. No, he's a human being. It is quite possible that he felt that this was off and later that he's he's proved wrong. And that's God making it clear to him and answering his prayer. But mm-hmm. people are really mad because, doggone it, you manipulated me into feeling that this was the way things were going to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that is. I'm not gonna. I won't take that any farther because that would be telling a lot. But yeah, that that is, that is the main. That that is a lot of the main the main thing here. Okay. And, okay. Um, um, I will not say whether or not Maury is guilty here. What is okay. the actual quote that Wit says about secrets? There's a secret here. Oh, earlier on in the episode. No, in this one. There's a secret here that feels unsettling. Yeah, okay. said he wanted to make Emily and Matthew feel better. There's, there's more to it than that. There's more to it than that. Yeah, which there could be, but it could be something that that turns out to be okay, like that mm. it turns out to be not not be bad that you in the moment think might be bad. So yeah. well, and being unsettled is not necessarily a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Um, the the emotional reaction of being unsettled, mm-hmm. right? 
Yeah. So. Have I have I said too much so far? Are you still intrigued? Oh, oh. no, yes, we absolutely <laughs> <You> are. <laughs> <laughs> yes, no, I want to, well, and now, now that, like, I feel like I'm getting my head a little more around the kind of controversy, I'm like, I want to now finish this to see if I actually agree with everybody who is angry now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think yeah. that that pretty much brings us to the end of these three episodes, uh, right? I, I would think, I think so. so. I think yeah. so. Yeah, this yeah. has been this has been great. This has been really fun going through and seeing you fit all the pieces together, or at least to the best of your ability. And you know, you haven't even heard this saga gets really intense in the next three episodes. I so. believe it. Uh huh. So I am very anxious to see what you think of those, and uh, uh, just tell just let me know when you want to review the next three, okay? We because will. very soon. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> And uh, to all you listening, if you've um, sat through with us for another two and a half hours, then, uh, you know, wh- whatever, whatever. I, my fans, I guess, listen to my stuff no matter what I put out. And I don't know. I want to make it short, but at the same time, it's really fun to go long. So, again, thank you, too, for coming back on the show uh, on AIO Audio News and for uh, sticking it out for another two and a half hours here. Oh, thank you Absolutely. Yeah, this, this, is, this is a blast. All right. And I guess I'll talk to you later then. All thank right. You. Bye for now. You're listening to AIO Audio News.